With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Celtics Talk Radio, your weekly C's audio magazine. Listen as we discuss the latest news for the Boston Celtics. You can call us at 347-857-3545. Now, here's your host, Daniel, Igor, and Kevin. Hey, what's up, Celtics fans? Welcome to the latest edition of Celtics Talk Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. This is episode 304, and we have officially reached you guys the midpoint season of the NBA season for the Boston Celtics. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is shocking but true. The Celtics have officially made it, and we are now more than 41 games in. The Celtics are at 43 games at this point and sit at 21 and 22 through 43 games and sit 11th in the Eastern Conference, a half game back of the New York Knicks for the 10th spot, which is the last spot in the playoff picture in this case. So they're not too far behind when it comes to the playoffs. But then again, I don't know how you guys feel about basically being the last team in the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference, knowing what that could get you if you don't win one of those playoff games, one of those playing games in this case to get in. And then if you do win, you're basically setting yourself up for a matchup with basically one of the top two seeds in the Eastern Conference, which could mean a matchup with a team like the Chicago Bulls or the Miami Heat or the Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks at this point. The Celtics, you guys, were on a roll winning a couple games in a row, three games to be exact, before they ultimately got pushed right back into reality by losing to the Philadelphia 76ers last night, 111-99 to in this case, to Philly. And now they play the Chicago Bulls again, the Eastern Conference leading Chicago Bulls, tonight, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, here in Boston, in this case. I don't know how many fans are really going to watch that game, knowing that the New England Patriots are going to be in Buffalo playing the first game of the NFL playoffs for the Patriots. If they win, of course, they go to the second round. So for the Celtics, you guys, I don't think basically if they lose tonight, I don't think many people are really going to be stressing it because they're not going to be the team that everybody's really going to be watching here in New England in this case. But again, you are 21 and 22 at this point. I, I, Danny, I don't know how many, how many people are watching the Celtics because uh, as many fans I contact, they are saying that they are watching Celtics only when they win one game. Then they are watching the, the second one. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. 21 and 22 was supposedly two of the top players in the NBA in many of the Celtics fans' opinion. And you look at some of these teams who are ahead of you in this situation – you got the Toronto Raptors, who only have one star while you're supposed to have two. You have the Washington Wizards ahead of you. You got the Charlotte Hornets ahead of you. You got the Cleveland Cavaliers ahead of you. 
the Chicago Bulls ahead of you, I don't know how in the world anybody can justify this Celtics team being this bad through half a season. Maybe you can kind of give them an excuse if maybe you were dealing with just, let's say, 25% of the season, a quarter of the season, because you're still working out the kinks. But you are now officially halfway through the season, more than halfway since we're at 43 games, not 41, and you still are basically in the towards the basement of the Eastern Conference. The only teams basically behind you are the Atlanta Hawks, the Indiana Pacers, the Detroit Pistons, and the Orlando Magic, which means, ladies and gentlemen, soon you only have a month left before the All-Star break and, of course, also meaning the NBA trade deadline which also means at some point you're going to have to make the big decision, which is what we're going to be discussing today, the decision of do you really want to push for the NBA playoffs, knowing that if you push, you may still just end up in that play-in picture in the 7, 8, 9, 10 spot and just maybe be be a top, uh, should I say, a first-round exit? Or do you want to tank, knowing that as of right now, at Seven and a half games behind the Chicago Bulls for the first spot. Again, you're seven and a half behind the Chicago Bulls. You are basically 13 and a half games, or actually 12 and a half games uh, ahead of the Orlando Magic for the worst spot in the Eastern Conference. Would you prefer to basically try to tank and maybe start giving some of these young guys the right to start playing and maybe blow things up and send some of your better players away? and try to get a decent draft pick and maybe try to get the next third star to come and play with Brown and Tatum going forward, meaning send someone like Schroeder, someone like Smart, someone like Horford away and try to basically build things up, or do you really want to push for the playoffs? We will have audios that basically have in, uh, have insiders talking about that, as it seems like that's the only thing any of these insiders can talk about today as they all seem to feel that right now that is the the big question that has to be decided here in the uh, Boston Celtics land. So uh, we have Andrew who is with us basically to start the show today alongside Igor. Again, we we are hoping that Warren Shaw will join us. But Andy, what are your thoughts at this point, 43 games in? Um. My, I guess my thoughts are that it's, uh, it, it's worse than I thought it was going to be. And I think anybody who's followed <laughs> us through the season knows I wasn't particularly high on this team to start with. And it, it's it, it's really just to me, it's worse than it was, but it, it's also just a continuation too of what we, you know, what I've been talking about for probably, mm-hmm. I think, what, two years now, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's, uh, yeah, like it, in some ways, at this point, I guess I, I kind of have to feel vindicated in a way because, you know, like throughout these two years, I've been saying this team is on this downhill slide. We're not building a roster that makes sense. We're not mm-hmm. committing to Tatum Brown. We aren't focusing on developing these young players that we expect to be mm-hmm. future bench or role players. And I, you know, I kind of said all of last year, basically from like the off season, uh, all the way through last season, that into this one, that, you know, if we don't do these things sooner or later, we're going to implode. And I feel like that's kind of where we're getting to right now because, you know, we, we mismanaged it. We were making mistakes. And these mistakes that we see now, these were being made basically two years ago. The difference uh-huh. is that we were lucky enough because the Eastern Conference was weak. 
and because mm-hmm. Tatum and Brown are very good players. And so we were getting away with that, and I've compared it sort of to the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers, they never, you know, you think about the Packers, they had Aaron Rodgers, one of the most talented quarterbacks in NFL history, arguably one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks in the NFL. He was the most gifted until Mahomes came along. And they basically just coasted on his talent. And he was the only reason that Green Bay was ever in the playoffs. But then he was also, you know, like, but Green Bay was the reason that he didn't win a lot of rings with the Packers. And I feel like we're doing the same thing to Tatum and Brown. We're kind of like hodgepodge, you know, building, you know, adding players around them, but not really building a team. And we're trying to save money by getting these guys who are, you know, budget players. We're not committing to spend the money. You really need to build a championship team. And then we're trying to coast on Tatum and Brown's talent. And that's not going to work. And to highlight this, you know, let's talk about what fans have been talking about all season. Oh, Tatum and Brown have to learn how to be playmakers. They have to learn to pass the ball. And I'm saying to them, like, you know, that's not what they do. They're both natural scorers. They're two-way natural scorers and decent defenders. In Brown's case, he's quite a good defender usually. That's what they do. That Having two wings that can play solid two-way and light up the scoreboard that is enough to build a team around if you build the team. That means you find a playmaker, you find a big man, and you, you, know, you get that playmaker to make the offense easier for them. You get the big man to help anchor their defense on the, uh, you know, on the defensive end of the floor. And we haven't really done any of that. And I've been saying that for probably two years now. We really need to build a team around these guys. You know, and instead what management has done is they've kind of got, oh, well, Josh Richardson's pretty cheap, and he's available. Oh, look, Dennis Schroeder's cheap. He's available. Let's get these cheap guys, and we're going to get ourselves under the tax limit. And uh, Tatum and Brown, you guys learned to be, you know, both of you guys better develop into LeBron James this year so you can carry us and we can save money under the tax limit. And that's how this team has approached building around those two guys. And I've been saying, like, this has been a mistake year after year. And now, you know, the you know, now we can say, you know, the chi- you know, whatever the saying is, the chickens have come home to roost or whatever it is, right? And now we're uh-huh. kind of reaping the rewards of all of this. It's blowing up in our face. It's time for ownership and for front office people to pull their heads out of their rear and understand that if you want to play championship basketball, there is a price for entry. You know, you can't get into the championship club if you're just buying, you know, the freaking if you're buying the upper deck seats, you'll get into the champions club with upper deck seats, you know? So our management has to realize that they have to make, and this is where they really have to turn around before the trade deadline. And in the next off season, we need to see management and ownership make a real effort to build a team around Tatum and Brown, not expecting Tatum and Brown to drag the team forward, but build a team around them. That's going to make them better. And that's where I'm standing right now. Excellent, excellent stuff, uh, Andy. Uh, I will add before uh, audio blocks that tonight we're playing Bulls, if I'm correct, 8 and uh, 30 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Uh, and the, the Bulls uh, have been depleted very much. So we are favorites um, eight and half, um, six and a half points in Vegas, pardon. Uh, so we should uh, uh, win uh, this game. Uh, one moment, uh, I'm searching for uh, 
the information. I think that uh, the pools uh, only have uh, like uh, 10 players uh, available and uh, Boston Celtics uh, have been uh, without uh, Marcus uh, Smart. Uh, I reported that. Yeah, so the Bulls, the Bulls have Lonzo Ball, Caruso, Tyler Cook, uh, Javante Green, Jones, and Levine, and Patrick Williams all out. Mm-hmm. So they are likely well, going to yeah. start Kobe White, um, Dosung Mu, however you pronounce that, Troy Brown, DeMar yeah. DeRosa, and Luke yeah. So they still have a good lineup. They're just, you know, they're missing mm-hmm. a couple guys, but they still have a pretty solid lineup. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I think that we should win. And, but, uh, you know, the Celtics uh, did many times their magic, losing by inferior opponents uh, this uh, season. So <laughs> nothing is safe with us. But we, we should expect a win. A win is a win, right? So uh, let, let us start, start the audio box. And we will, uh, we will, back, we will be back. Uh, uh, we will hear uh, Forsberg, uh, Felger, interesting audios. And stay with us. We are recapping uh, the uh, 76ers' loss and uh, the first half of the season. A look at where the Celtics stand after tonight. You see them down there at 11. You see the 1 through 6. You see the play-in tournament 7 through 10. Celtics at 11 right now on the outside looking in Forsberg when it comes to the playoffs. How do the Celtics write the ship at this point in the season? So the question is, do you want to write the ship? And so here's the big question I think moving forward is you've shown yourself to be a 500 team that is capable of playing well in spurts, but not sustaining anything that suggests that you're going to climb much beyond the play-in tournament. And so I think the big decision that Brad Stevens has moving forward, and maybe ultimately you just decide, like, look, being the 11th pick doesn't matter because you're not bad enough to, to, like, really fall into the lottery. But, you know, so maybe it's better to just push and be the 18th. But I'm not sure being in the play-in tournament and drawing a team like Brooklyn or Chicago or whoever in the early stages of the playoffs is, is very enticing for this team. And so they've just got decisions to make about how they move this thing forward. And so, you know, that's the hard part for me is every time I watch this and I want to be encouraged, I want to say that they have the potential to make a surge and that they should invest and kind of tinker with the roster and get shooters and see what they could do and maybe a better blend of, 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 of players would move this thing forward more than we've seen to this point. But the part of me that says, if you're going to, if, if every decision, as Brad Stevens says, is based around getting closer to actually competing for a banner, then the right decision might be to try to get the best bat possible draft picks, to turn veterans into draft assets, to make trades that position you to make a splurge this summer, further down the road, whatever the case may be. But for me, it's like they need more talent. They need more shooting. And I don't know if just minor tweaks is enough. So you just kind of bank on your core this year and hope that they sort of start to find their way. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a busy offseason for the Celtics. A look at where the Celtics stand after tonight. You see them Ugh. down there at 11. You see the 1 through 6. You see the play-in tournament 7 through 10. The Celtics at 11 right now on the outside looking in Forsberg when it comes to the playoffs. How do the Celtics write the ship at this point in the season? So the question is, do you want to write the ship? And so here's the big question I think moving forward is, you've shown yourself to be a 500 500- 
Al Chris Forsberg, Amina Smith here with you. And the Celtics fall to the Sixers 111-99. And, Scal, it just seemed like this Celtics team was in neutral from the very beginning of this game. What happened out there? Wait, wait, wait. But we uh, weren't we up 10-2? 2 <laughs> And look, you know what? I, First the, four minutes I, were great. At the end of the game, Forsberg, I told you, I said I looked at the score and I was like, that really doesn't look like how this game no. played out. It looked like they got beat by 40 out there. It did not look good. The uh, Anytime they needed to stop, they didn't get to stop. And, yeah, I mean, I think when you watch this game and you start to unfold, like, what did the Celtics do good? Well, they battled till the end and they cut it and made it somewhat respectable. But a little disappointing today that our spacing and Embiid had such an impact. I know he's a great defensive player, but I would, I would expect that somewhere along the lines, Tatum and Brown would have sort of figured it out. I think, I think Brown in, in the transition in the second half, especially in that third quarter, he had, they had something going, but ultimately it just didn't look like the Celtics were anywhere near that level, at least on this game. Yeah, and the disappointing part is that there had been progress the last three games. You feel like this weekend maybe they could assert themselves, give Brad Stevens a reason to sort of add some pieces here, get the shooters that maybe would have separated them a little bit, throw them a little bit closer to the mix, and yet you see them go out against a team that's in the middle of the East right now but is playing much better, and they just don't look on the same level. And most frustrating is the fact that that one run, 28-2, to two, where the wheels come off, and we keep saying this, this team – for whatever reason, when things start to go sideways, just can't catch itself all the time. And they've been better recently. And, you know, that, that comeback against the Magic was like, okay, maybe they've sort of figured something out about not letting the, the wheels come completely off. And yet the turnovers, the disinterest in driving because Embiid's back there, it's it just for whatever reason in the moment, neither Ime or the players are able to catch themselves. And by the time you blink, the game's sort of over, and, or at least you're at a big enough hole where it feels that the prospects of coming back are so daunting. And, Scout, just like you mentioned at the top, at one point the Celtics were up, but then I think about this 28-2 run. Why were the Celtics not able to get out of neutral? Because they couldn't drive the basketball or they wouldn't drive the basketball. That's what it all comes down to. So if you play perimeter basketball and then you're not driving with force, you're not going to get guys to fully commit. At that point, you're going to give up deflections, which is going to lead out to easy buckets the other way. So no matter what, no matter who you're playing with, you have to get the ball to the paint. No matter what, if it's you want to throw it in there to kick it out, I think the best thing to do is for Tatum and Brown to drive it in there. And then once you draw two, you play. Mm. You don't have to force it, but you have to have the intent of, I am going to score. And then when you see Embiid there, throw it up to Rob Williams. If a guard cracks back on Rob, then you kick it out to the perimeter and you play from there. So you go an entire quarter after being up. And by the way, when we were up 10 to 4, yeah, yeah. it was all jumpers anyway. Right. So there was never a moment in a tight game where we were attacking the paint and saying, this is what we're going to do all game. So if you're going to play that perimeter game, you can do that. You can win. You have to shoot absolutely lights out. And then the other team has to miss. So yeah. I think that's too much rolling the dice of saying, like, okay, we're going to win this game if we make all of our shots and they miss all of their shots. And what did we say coming in? That after watching the other night against the Pacers, we just wanted to play with force. That Jalen and Jason were out there and attacking and felt like they wanted to take over that game. And there was never a semblance of that. And I'm okay with it. Like, they're not going to be great every night. They're going to have rough shooting nights like Tatum have. But don't compound it with turnovers. And, like, lazy turnovers over the times where the ball is just like the simplest of passes and all of a sudden they're going the other way. You're just not good enough of an offense to survive all these turnovers and just, I mean, it's just careless at times. It's, 
And that's, I mean, I can live with some, you're trying to move the ball and something bad happens. These are just simple next swing passes and, and, and just giving it up. Yeah, and the Sixers, they had 31 points over off of the 20 Celtics turnovers. Gal, just how much did that hurt Boston tonight? Yeah, I mean, you have no chance of winning any games yeah. giving up 31 points off of turnovers. You don't. And most of them, in my opinion, were live ball turnovers. They weren't throwing the ball out of bounds. They're throwing the ball to the Sixers, and they were going. I like Chris had that, what was it, WebEx, right? You yeah. talk about in the half court, only giving up 89 points per 100. That's amazing. But you give up turnovers, and they get out. And, and also, a, lay, a missed layup, or you get your shot blocked, that's also, in my world, sort of like a live ball turnover. And those end up being layups, or you're in rotation giving up a wide-open transition three. Well, so. I, I didn't give that number. It's like they were giving up 180 points for 100 possessions in transition, but the number was actually worse off of missed shots and live balls than it was off steals because, th for whatever reason, this team just doesn't get back. It, it, it is when their offense starts to drag. They have this propensity to not get back and get set when that's all their lifeblood of, of their defense. And that was frustrating. It was up at, like, 233 points for 100 possessions. That was just this game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. But that's still. Like, <laughs> you guys, that's a small sample you, you, yeah, I understand that, but you should never be giving up that much in a game like this where you're trying to sort of assert yourself. And it, it just it, it hammers home the fact to me that they get discouraged, and it's unfortunate. And the other part of it is the offense just isn't good enough. So they were at like 79 points per 100 possessions at one point for the Celtics. Oof. Yeah. Oof. And it was like the intensity and the pace of this game was very slow. Yeah. yeah. How much did that play into their loss tonight? You're not going to beat Joel Embiid doing that. Yeah. Or... Well, I can't say it like that because basketball is never black and white. It's always gray. But more times than not, you're going to have to be lights out, and then the other team is going to have to miss. So you can. But, you know, the strategy of playing slow and allowing Embiid to set up defensively, is, it, I just don't feel like that's a conducive strategy to having the best chance of winning. So that's, uh, going into this game, I thought you want to play fast. You want to try to attack. You want to get Embiid on the move. Mm -hmm. You want to keep Robert oh, Williams yeah. relocating underneath. Like, I just didn't feel like any of that stuff happened consistently today. And that's why, like, this game, even if you get it to 14, it, there was never a time when we were playing what I would consider great basketball that, and like, like, the Sixers are making amazing defensive plays. They weren't. They were just solid, and we were making mistakes. And we're live at uh, Celtic Stock Radio episode 304, analyzing the first half of uh, the Celtics uh, season. Uh, I have a, a distinct pleasure, my big pleasure, to announce uh, my uh, uh, guest, our guest of uh, uh, tonight, our old friend. Uh, he's not, uh, you know, the guest. He's like uh, uh, at home here at the Stock Radio, Mr. Warren Shaw at Shaw Sports NBA. Uh, he's the host of uh, at NBA Baseline podcast at, and writer at Dope. Uh, and uh, uh, the other, the, the host of the show at uh, Dope uh, Underline it Interviews, at Dope Underline it Interviews, co-founder of uh, at uh, 19MM Group and Warren uh, uh, Sports.net, uh, all his work, and Twitter handle, Twitter name at Shaw Sports NBA. Uh, Warren, uh, how are you tonight? And welcome to the Celtic Talk Radio, my my man. Hey, congratulations on you know another season for you all, and you know continued success in everything you do. Thanks so much for having me again. It's been a long time. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, it uh, 
has not been the good season, um, you know. But uh, we we are we are um, rolling. So uh, thank you for coming. You know, tonight Patriots are are playing. Um, also, uh, the Celtics are playing, and uh, we are discussing uh, one half of uh, the Celtics season. Uh, in the first half of uh, the Celtics season, uh, let me just cut it short. Uh, without uh, too much uh, introduction, the Celtics are 21 and 22 uh, after 43 games, number 11 at the Eastern Conference. Uh, so, how would you describe the Celtics season? COVID, bad um, schedule, I mean, hard December schedule, but um, it seems like the Celtics are under underachieving. What do you say? I struggle with this, to be honest with you, because um, I'm probably one of the more pessimistic followers of the team. Uh, I think I've been that way for, for quite some time. And I was I was trying to be optimistic coming in, but there was just some things that I didn't necessarily love and think, okay, that maybe they fixed this. And I think the biggest change to the, to the team in the offseason really was the addition of a Yudoka on the sidelines, right? I mean, Getting Al back is cool, but what I think people fail to realize, and I'm not trying to diss Al, I think he's a great human being and things of that nature, but he is not a, a leader's leader. He's not this locker room guy who's going to come here and settle everybody down and all those things. We saw that years past when Kyrie was here. So this is, again, it's not a knock on Al. So to me, the way the season has gone is disappointing, only in the fact is that they haven't really seemed to have grown up from even last year. Um, where they can really fix some of their own issues. And Udoka hasn't provided the leadership that maybe you thought he would have as a new coach. You know, with JT and JB wanting this guy here, um, it's not really making that much of a difference. So I think for me, I don't know that it's, that it's as disappointing for me, it's disappointing as a fan for sure, but I can't say I'm surprised that they're, you know, right around 500 because this is exactly what this team was last year as well. Yeah, I, I, I thought that they, they would be – around uh, 500 as well um, and uh, to tell you the truth uh, I didn't like uh, the roster construction I mean um, I, I'm not saying that uh, per se Stevens is responsible for uh, everybody on the roster you know uh, he inherited uh, uh, you know uh, majority of the roster but uh, he added a couple of veterans you know um, uh, so uh, he added uh, Richardson, veterans, uh, Schroeder, uh, big man uh, in his freedom, uh, you know, and a lot of kids that uh, need to be developed. Uh, so, I mean, and Tatum and Brown. Uh, Andy said, our uh, host, uh, he will ask you uh, that uh, uh, he feels like uh, this roster uh, kind of um, uh, is uh, not uh, built uh, uh, for Tatum and Brown and specifically uh, around uh, Tatum and Brown enough. And that is why uh, one of the reasons why they are not uh, playing uh, according to the expectation. Uh, you mentioned uh, leadership, and um, uh, I, I, I think, um, uh, I think uh, that, um, uh, you know, uh, Tatum uh, and uh, Brown are uh, fine uh, young uh, men and uh, they are uh, all-stars 
uh, that it will be uh, pe pe perennial, perennial all-stars, uh, okay, uh, but uh, uh, they are not uh, ready maybe to uh, carry the team uh, like uh, everybody expecting them to uh, alone at the top of uh, the roster. What do, what do you say? Oh, 100%. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there with that as well, too, I think. A lot of what I think the team lacks is, and, you know, we, I'm sure as we're following, everyone's like, oh, you need, you need to break these two up. And I'm, I'm not buying that at all. Like, I don't think that's yes, the situation. Yes, yes, I think yes. you just need to find Agreed. a way to get leadership involved. You need to find a way to get maybe elite level playmaking involved as well, too, at the point guard spot. So they're not trying to do, you know, my turn, your turn, whatever that situation is. And then you can really maybe mm -hmm. try to assess what this roster is. So I think until some of those moves are made, it's kind of hard to say, okay, you know, blow this thing up, so to speak. You know, and it's just, you know, people are very mm -hmm. reactionary and it's very, um, you know, it's, it's no, kind no, of doom no, and gloom or all or nothing. And I think there's moves that can be made kind of like, as they say, on the proverbial, I guess. Shooter is an, is, was an emergency um, acquisition. It doesn't necessarily fit with the roster long term. I mean, he knows that. They know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a marriage made out of more or less mm -hmm. convenience at the time. He needed a team. We, in essence, quote-unquote, needed a point guard, but he's still not your prototypical point guard. And that kind of brings the conversation a little bit to Marcus Smart, who, again, I think we all know and love, but he's a secondary playmaker. He's not a primary playmaker. And I know he sees himself as maybe a primary guy, but I think at this stage we can't be expecting Marcus Smart to be an elite-level playmaker, you know, doing what he's doing uh, and, and playing the way the team has played, especially this, this far this season. So, yeah, they've had injuries. A lot of mm -hmm. things have kind of not gone right for them. Um, but I spent a lot of time in the recent, in most recent weeks trying to figure out, okay, what point guards, what are um, primary playmaking guards that are available potentially, you know, that, that would make sense and maybe try to bring to the team. And I don't know if there's going to be an answer to that this year, um, but maybe something avails itself um, in the summer and off season as well too. But I have my, I have my eye on a couple of guys, but I, I don't know if there's anybody that they can get right now. That's going to make a lot of sense. Ricky Rubio was a guy that some friends of mine brought up to me. And obviously Cleveland started playing really great this year, so there was no reason for them to even look to move Rubio after they started off the season the way they did. But somebody along those lines who can settle them down, get them into their set. Um, and I know Marcus tries very hard to do those things, but that's just not, I think, his, his natural bag uh, when it comes to playmaking and, and being um, the leader in the locker room and on the floor as well. Uh, interesting. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ricky Rubio. Uh, I just read... Uh, the information that uh, Ricky Rubio is planning to uh, retire or something when when he's yeah when he's uh, not is born uh, when he gets to school right right when he gets to uh, school um, I mean uh, but uh, Ricky Rubio I totally agree uh, he is uh, the true uh, playmaker uh, the true uh, uh, I have been saying uh, and I am totally uh, with you. Uh, about uh, uh, totally with you about um, uh, Jays, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, what we are saying here doesn't mean that uh, we are rooting uh, for uh, them to be split. I think that uh, it it would be uh, ult ult ultimately uh, stupid to uh, you know uh, split uh, uh, those kind of potential guys before you know what their ceiling is. And I don't think that uh, uh, they, they, they reach their full potential and their full uh, ceiling, you know? Um, and uh, depends on Boston, are, there go are they going to uh, 
reach uh, the ceiling uh, at all in, in, in Boston, you know? Um, uh, do they have all the conditions uh, to uh, reach uh, the ceiling? Uh, is that uh, uh, okay with you? I mean, you totally agree? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's still time. I, what, 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 what happens in NBA culture, right, Igor, is that we see right, right, things right. happening to other teams, right? And like, well, we don't want to be that, right? So nobody wants this to be mm-hmm. Lillard and McCollum so to speak, right? It's like, you know, a, a pairing of guys who probably are not going to ultimately get it done together. Nobody wants it to be even Kyle Lowry and DeRozan where, hey, and then you saw what ended up tra- with Toronto. So now what ends up happening is like, if you don't have a certain level of success within whatever certain time frame, all right, people start picking, like, all right, these two don't fit. These, these things don't work together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know that, like I said, I'm not there on that yet. I'd like to see it with some different roster construction around it to ultimately say, like, okay, uh-huh. no, <laughs> like, it, it's not, it's not going to work. But because I believe, and again, I'm not the general manager, I'm not running the team, you know, these are all, quote, unquote, you know, thoughts and, 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 and just, you know, my own analysis and, and, and perception of the team. I'd like to see some playmaking. I'd like to see some knockdown shooting, not guys who shoot threes, but guys who are elite level shooters, you know, added to the mix. And I know these are not easy things to get, but I think it's trying to build some of those things around here. And over the next, Maybe one to two years, you probably get that answer. They're still very young, so to to punt on this situation when you you know you've kind of drafted well and and Brown has developed into a guy you know is a twenty point per game guy, you don't just give that up and throw that away. So that's all uh-huh, I'm uh-huh. uh Right, right. Uh, so we are not saying that. So you build a team around them. Uh, what Chris Forsberg said uh, in audio that you played. Um, uh, is uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, I um, kind of uh, posted uh, the post at our page, and you know that I brought um, really negative comments from uh, uh, our fans, uh, but uh, it is uh, very simple. You know, uh, there, there is no big philosophy in that. Uh, Chris Forsberg said, and this is something that I uh, said, uh, you know, uh, Clearly, uh, 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 I mean, on, on, on our page, that uh, soon the Celtics will be uh, forced, in his uh, opinion, uh, that uh, uh, forced to change the direction. Are they going to push for the playoffs uh, still, uh, despite the struggles, uh, or... Uh, they are going to um, they are they are they are, uh, they are going to you know um, uh, tank in a in a way. Uh, I said that uh, uh, for example, if I am the Celtics, if this continues, for example, I would give them time until uh, February or February 10th or whatever, you know. Uh, so I mean. Um, uh, I, I, I would, I would uh, first of all uh, trade uh, the veterans that I can trade, uh, like uh, Schroeder, Richardson, uh, Horford. Uh, uh, it doesn't mean to trade them ju- for a- anything, but uh, you know, see if you can get uh, a necessary assets. Okay, uh, the assets for them, uh, and then. 
to commit uh, in the second uh, part of uh, the regular season to commit to development. Uh, that means uh, to play the kids, Aaron A. Smith, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, uh, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, uh, uh, you know, uh, more, uh, to give them the real time. Not to play, for example, uh, Peyton uh, Pritchard uh, uh, and uh, Aaron Naismith uh, 15 minutes one game, uh, then the next game uh, one or two minutes, and then uh, the third game uh, they are out of uh, rotation, out of uh, healthy and safe. So you are either uh, developed, uh, developing, um, uh, developing um, uh, the young guys, uh, you are either uh, developing um, uh, the youth, and that way uh, you are tanking, meaning that uh, when you replace the veterans uh, and replace their minutes uh, uh, in rotations with uh, the kids, uh, then your record will be worse, okay? And when your record is worse, you will have the chance, if you're not playoff uh, team, for example, it will be hard, of course, to swallow, but uh, if you're not uh, uh, the playoff team, then you will get uh, uh, the pick uh, from uh, number seven. Uh, for example, between seven and 11, uh, I'm just saying there is possibility, you know. And uh, the best way to get back um, uh, fast into contention is to uh, make a big trade or splash, uh, either to, to draft a star and develop it, or in this case, to collect a set. Uh, and we would get uh, the lottery pick. And that lottery pick could help us in potential uh, blockbuster trade that can land us the third star or, or the playmaker. Uh, that, that will uh, again, uh, that will again uh, speed up uh, uh, the uh, process, rebuilding process and make us uh, the contenders. So uh, you will either team your roster and push for the playoffs harder to avoid the play-in in the uh, next uh, 41 games or so, uh, or you are either trading away your veterans um, and you are, you are uh, tanking and getting the lottery picks. So the Celtics would have the tough decision to uh, pick uh, direction, uh, most likely before uh, before the uh, trade deadline or around the trade deadline? What do you think? Yeah, I think everything you're saying is, is valid. I, I just, I think I wonder um, what the value is of the, of the veterans. And there was a mm -hmm. lot of, I think, made of even Richardson getting his, uh, getting an extension before he even played a game you know, this season. Mm -hmm. And then I think a lot mm -hmm. of people are trying to say, it's like, oh, well, you know, are they making his his contract more palatable to kind of maybe match salaries in a potential trade down the line? Um, I don't know that he's paid, played himself into an asset. And I think we have to be very careful when we say these, you know, we use terms like that because, you know, what, what we see every day, and these are players that we kind of grow to know and maybe even like to some degree, other teams that may not be out there coveting. Right. So I think, you know, when you look at assets that the Celtics have, the only true assets they have are really Tatum and Brown, obviously. But then there's probably interest in Robert Williams. But, you know, as you're alluding to, you probably want to keep him and try to continue to develop him and play him. 
then outside of that, everybody else is, I think, is kind of a, eh, you know, I don't think it, it moves the needle. Like, Peyton Pritchard's cool, but who's who's trading for Peyton Pritchard? And, again, he's the guy that you said you wanted to keep, right? So if you go just to the veterans, Horford's contract is still too big. Richardson hasn't been playing up to snuff. Schroeder's on whatever he's on the minimum deal, and I think he's, he's he has wavering value around the league. I'm just not really sure where, where the value is on the Celtics roster after because they're very, very top-heavy. The second issue I have, too, is that the young guys, listen, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, you know, there, there have been obvious, some obvious misses, you know, in the draft. And I, I don't – I'm not saying Bobiel Langford is never going to be anything. I don't think he's going to be what anybody expected him to be. And, and I think that's fine. You eventually normalize and become, you know, whatever level of player you're going to be. But he, he's a rotation guy that's – that's it. I don't. I don't think he's he's somebody who's going to be like super special for for Boston. And I worry about the same with Neesmith as well too. So I understand wanting to do the minutes, and it's still very early in their careers. But there's certain trajectories where you can kind of maybe see it early on, and we're not seeing it from those two guys. So even getting rid of the veteran veterans and then giving them playing time, maybe that's the move as you're leading to to kind of figure it out. But as of right now, like I'm not. I'm not really. <laughs> that excited about them where I feel like, okay, they need to get whatever they need to get. And, 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 you know, they're going to really be a, or a big part of what the Celtics do long-term. Again, we can agree to disagree. It's just, I'm not high on either one of those guys or really any, anything Boston has kind of in the cupboard right now. Warren, uh, we have the taller, our old friend, uh, Ty Ray, really pleasant surprise uh, of the night uh, for the first time in this season. Uh, so, uh, Ty, uh, welcome to the show. Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and how are you feeling tonight, my man? Well, I'm doing what? I'm doing okay, Igor. I just I was actually just listening. I really didn't have uh, very much to say, other than I completely disagree with the person who was just talk, talking about Josh Richardson. I think the guy's almost having a career year, and he's played his ass off, what and he's talking. one of the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, Josh Richardson has been outstanding. It has been a great signing for the Celtics. I mean, he's the least of the team's problems, and I do think he makes a great asset who is tradable uh, at uh-huh. this time. But, you know, we've been going uh-huh. back and forth on Twitter. We've been going back and forth on Twitter in recent days about, uh-huh. you know, this team and where they're at, and I'm not a huge uh-huh. fan. I think I've said that. It's been hard to watch the team. However, uh-huh. I do think uh-huh. we need to get a, a little perspective uh, about uh-huh. where this team is at, where the organization is at. Uh, Uh This is not meant to be an excuse, but this is an explanation, right? We've had two years of COVID. This team has been hit hard by it over the last two years. We lost an Uh all-star caliber player in Kemba Walker, who was an all-star at one time. We forget that. And we lost Gordon Uh Hayward, okay? Those two subtractions provide a huge drop-off for this team in talent. That's the difference between the 2019-2020 Celtics and the Celtics we have today. I mean, could you imagine if we had another all-star caliber player on this team and Gordon Uh Hayward, how much better they would be? So I'm not making excuses. I just think it's an explanation for where we're at uh, as an organization. I I don't – I just – I don't know. You know, I've been as negative as anybody about watching Uh this team, but they're 500, you know? It's not Uh like they're 10 and 31. They're 21 Uh and what? 20 yeah 22 so Uh i don't know just my feelings guys thoughts 
Uh, Warren, <laughs> I will not say, uh, Tyre, uh, this is uh, Warren show, I mean, from uh, NBA baseline, dot interviews, uh, you know, showsports.net, our friend here, uh, he's a very good guy and, you know, uh, very objective. Oh my I, gosh, I, 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 Warren. Warren! Warren Shaw. Warren Shaw. I, I, I know Ty very well. Warren! How are you? Warren, man. Great, brother. How are you? Good. It's been a long time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. And yeah, I think we have, you know, we often share similar um, sentiments on, on the team for sure. And I think, again, what you're saying with, with Richardson, I, I definitely can attest to, I think he's played better than I would have expected. But I don't, oh, yeah. know if it, I don't know if he's boosted his value in a way that I think is, is, is would make him a trade asset, per se. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the only thing. That yeah. I mean. like, he's played better. He's, he's playing good. But, you know, I think he's had so many years of down years when he was in Philly and then obviously the league of the year in Dallas. Right. You know, right. it's like it, I think he has probably a li- little more to do where he becomes a trade, like an asset where teams are like, okay, I believe in who he is now, you know, 41 or 40, yeah, 42 games or whatever it is. I don't know if, if it's changed the, the, the trajectory. But, again, I think it's a valid point one way or the other. And, you know, we, we all want this team to be better. And they have a million and one reasons and slash excuses as to why they haven't gotten it done. Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen for them at all this year. Right. Warren, don't you think, though, that, I mean, trust me, it's been a miserable experience watching this team. I want my refund from NBA League Pass. Trust me on this one. There are nights I won't even watch because it's, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, you know, you know how the game is going to turn out, right? Having said that, we, I, I think Celtic fans forget what they had in all-star Kemba Walker before the injury and Gordon Hayward. And that team was, was really, really well constructed. Whereas you take those, those two players out of, out of this team. I mean, that's a significant drop off, right? And why we don't realize that is beyond me. We've never replaced Gordon Hayward. And then Kemba Walker got hurt and never returned to the all-star caliber player. uh, He was, that, that's a huge talent drop-off that was and never Evan replaced. Fournier. Wouldn't you agree? Evan Fournier. Also. Yes, even Evan. Yes, I mean, not replaced. So, Warren, wouldn't you agree that that maybe some perspective is in I order agree. here and maybe 500 is exactly where this team should be? I agree. Oh, I mean, I think that's what I said in the very beginning. Is like I, I, I think there was hope from others that they would be better than this you know, in, in another tier of the Eastern Conference. But I was like, no, I think this is about a 500 team. This is – it's just the way they lose. And I think that's maybe what we don't talk about as much. <laughs> all your points are all your points are valuable, but they could absolutely. very easily have five or six more wins this season, and they we're talking about a oh, different Oh, absolutely. Plot. But you the know, way they so, lose, so, and then they just – and they give up when they get down. Like, those things, it's just like that's disheartening, and that's when you start talking about leadership and – kind of the intangibles that, that make up a team, not even necessarily just the talent. Yeah, right, the, the mental makeup, right? So it's funny. It's funny. Uh, way back in the day, Warren, I used to cover the Bronco, Denver Broncos, and I remember having a conversation with Shannon Sharp, and, you know, they were always like 9 and 7, 10 and 6, and everybody was always like, oh, but if they'd won, you know, one game would have gone this way or that way. And Shannon used to say, you are who you are, right? Right. This team is a 500 team, no matter if they're losing on last-second shots, no matter if their point differential, uh, you know, maybe if they should have four or five more wins according to their point differential. They are who they are. They're losing games 
because of their mental makeup, right? I mean, part of, part of that comes into play, I think. So this team is who it is, mentally, physically, you name it. They're a 500 team. Um, I do have a question for Warren uh, in regards to Al Horford. Um, I really want him moved badly. It's not that I don't like Al. I just I don't want him on the team anymore. I think that he can't space the floor anymore because of his shooting. He's a step slower than what he once was. Is he movable, in your opinion, Warren? Not this year, you know. I mean, unless no. again, unless not, yeah. I don't think this year because it's still this year and next year that's left on his deal. So you know, at least that's my understanding of it. So I don't think he has the value. He played well in OKC, ironically, you know, and then they kind of just yeah, shut did. him down. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> I I said I have a negative connotation about a lot of things, and I don't know that he's long for being being in Boston. I was like, oh damn, it brought me back. I mean, he says all the right things, you know, in the media, and he's a, he's a great human being. But I think yep. just like his time here, I've expected so much more out of him yeah. um, and some of those intangibles in, in addition to what he does on the court that I haven't seen. And it's like, all right, well, at some point I begin to think it's like maybe he's just not a big fan of the entire situation altogether. And, hey, he's doing what he can to be a professional, but he's not going to go above and beyond. And that's, right. that's just one man's opinion. I know nothing. I don't know the Horford family. I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. That's just my observation Absolutely. on the situation. But I think he's hard to move um, with his contract still oh, having another oh, year. Oh, come on. Warren, you don't follow Anna on Twitter? Anna Horford? <laughs> <laughs> We've had Anna on our show before as well, too. So, yeah, I know. Oh, I know is that right? Him, you know. Yeah, yeah, she's 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 great, but <laughs> no, no, she'll come out. I mean, she's a fan. Yeah, no, yeah. I just this is so funny, but no, I I just think at this point, you know, people talk about playing the kids. Well, you know, then get we need to move out too, you know, and and just yeah. get go yep. go younger if we can. Um, yeah. So anyway, guys, I just I, I just want some perspective. You know, I while I say I'm miserable, I am following this season. I do have a little perspective too, and I'm just trying to be patient even though i'm having a miserable uh, time being patient it is what it is uh, about uh, al horford i just want to say that he was uh, actually good uh, the first 10 or so games uh, what is uh, my uh, problem uh, what what is the problem what we said uh, about uh, uh, al horford is that uh, i think that uh, uh, fir- first of all uh, we wasted him in my opinion uh, he's veteran man, big man, and he was playing, uh, you know, um, the big minutes. And I think uh, right. he just got uh, got wasted in the first half of the season. And uh, that is uh, partly because, you know, like like Al said, you said, Al, uh, Ty, that um, we didn't have the uh, other uh, four at the team. We didn't have the floor spacer. Um, also, he played a little uh, center when uh, Time Lord was injured. Um, and uh, Andy and I always bashed about that uh, double big lineup with uh, Al and Time Lord. I don't think that it is working um, uh, appropriately, and it is not on Al, you know. Uh, it's modern NBA, and he's um, he, he's backup, uh, backup big man uh, in, in his age, and we are playing him the starters minutes. I think that was the part of the problem um, uh, for Al Horford. I don't know if you agree, gentlemen, with me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I started I, off the season great, as you alluded to. Sorry, sorry, Ty, I didn't mean to step on you. I'll just make no, it no, it's fine. I mean, 
he was he was leading the league in blocks, I think, for the first ten games of the season or something. Yes, something yes, crazy. Yes, like he was yes. he started off really, really well and then, you know, whatever. I know he's shooting I think he for had COVID three, as well too and missed some time. Rebounding, having the great start, like first uh, first year in Boston, you know. He was better the first, the stats in the first ten games or so uh, were better than in in his first year in Boston. And the people were saying yeah. The Al Horford found Fontaine of Youth or something, you know. And we here have been uh, uh, saying on the Celtics Talk Radio, you should not play uh, Al Horford the, the big minutes, you know. Even if we lose something, play Greg Williams, you know. Al Horford is uh, the third man of the bench. Uh, that uh, uh, his role should be his role. But, uh, you know, he's playing the starter minutes and... Uh, he just got tired. He's old man uh, right now. He's good man, but he's old man, right? Yeah. yeah and, and if the shot's not falling, yeah, uh, but he's got to be able to make shots, right? Has to in this offense. If he can't, then he's a liability yes. on the floor. He's got to be able to stretch the floor uh, offensively. If not, then I, I just don't, I just don't see him. I mean, obviously, Al's a, Al's a fine passer, but. He's got to be able to stretch the floor. Of course, of course. I mean, we don't have the shooters, and part of the problem is that uh, uh, we, we, we need the stretch uh, for, and uh, I mean, who said Jay Crowder <laughs> from, from, from uh, uh, Phoenix Suns, you know? But uh, that, that kind of type, you know, the, 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 the younger, right. he, doesn't, he doesn't have to be anything fancy, you know, just a uh, uh, 3-and-D guy. Every, every team needs a 3-and-D guy. Um, and again, Al Horford is good man. And uh, Warren, uh, help me. You said, I think that uh, Al Horford is having a two-year contract or something, right? And the next year... Well, this year, this year and next year, I believe. Yeah. And uh, so the next year, his contract is uh, becoming uh, expiring, right? Right. Yeah, that's, right. My, that's my understanding of it. And, he, so and he's back, making less next year, Warren, if, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. I, that I don't so, know. I have it in front of me. Um, I thought it was yeah, fairly yeah. even across. It's not a lot. Yes, yes, yes. I think he is right. So, in other words, the next year his contract will be valuable, you know, as expiring contract. And this year, like Warren Shaw, he will be harder to move, right? Right. Right. I, Warren, I've got a question for you. I don't know if you can answer for me. I've been dying for the Celtics to explore bringing over Eric Gordon. But his contract is ridiculous too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many years on that. I think that might be two left as well, too, and it's, it's pretty hefty. Yeah. Luckily, he stayed, he stayed relatively healthy, you know, in, in more recent seasons, too. So, I mean, that's helpful um, if they were do that. But I think EG is kind of a piece that's if you're a little bit closer than I perceive Boston to be kind of right now. Um, and yeah. That's just my personal opinion on it as well, too. If they were a little bit closer, you know, maybe, you know, a, a true, like, four or five seed in the Eastern Conference, then it's, all right, maybe that's yeah. a guy who can really help us maybe get to another level. But where they're at right now, you know, and to pay that money, um, they have other problems, I think, that <laughs> they need to be trying to address. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I've just, I don't know why I've been infatuated with him being on the Celtics for a while now. 
I just think that, you know, watching these guys just brick shot after brick shot after brick shot, it's like, can we just get a professional shooter in this, you know, in this locker room from somewhere, you know? Um, and I, you know, I scour everybody's roster and that's a name that always keeps popping up. Although his salary is just, you know, it's ridiculous, but I think he comes off the books too. So that's why I thought, hey, there you go, a straight trade. I'll trade Al for, uh, for Eric Gordon. How's that? I don't know if that even works. I don't even know if that works. Anyway, guys, I'm going to go. Warren, it was great to talk to you. Say hi to Cal for me, please. Well, do appreciate you, brother, as always. Be safe out here. Yeah, uh, yeah take care, guys. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, Ty, all, all the best. Listen, uh, I'm happy that you called, and uh, you're always welcome uh, here, you know, uh, we are we are uh, here here uh, doing video chats and uh, I mean just 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 the old crew just like uh, uh, in the old times and uh, we, you are in the episode number three hundred and four believe it or not <laughs> you know Ty, uh, I will Ty, be please. back soon take care my friend okay all the best all the best uh, thanks for calling uh, so. Uh, I, I hope that, uh, Warren, uh, uh, you can uh, uh, stay a little longer. Uh, I mean a little longer. A couple of minutes uh, to uh, give uh, uh, words uh, to uh, my uh, partners. I think that uh, uh, Andy uh, he, uh, is Andy here. Let me just, uh, let me just uh, uh, see. So... Uh, or Denny, Denny is uh, here. Okay, Denny, so shoot. Or Andy, Andy, are you here? Or Denny? Okay, I mean, nobody's nobody's uh, responding. Okay. All right, oh, Jesse, you should hear me, so 954 is also, and 9 is not activated. Okay, so apologize for that. So, uh, mm-hmm. Warren, uh, great interview with uh, with uh, Tyree. <clears throat> Good to see him uh, back with us on the show in this case. Um, so, Warren, uh, your thoughts <clears throat> basically in this case. Last night we saw the team basically look horrendous as they played that game against Philadelphia. But uh, one thing that I saw was uh, pretty interesting was towards the end, we had about maybe eight minutes, seven minutes when Imudoka decided to wave the white flag and he took basically all the key players out, you know, Tatum, Brown, Time Lord, and they all basically sat in the bank. He ended up putting in Pritchard, Langford, you know, all the guys who barely get to play in this situation towards the very end of the bench. And we saw those guys take on the end of the bench for Philadelphia and quickly make a run that chopped the lead down basically close to single digits. And Philadelphia immediately threw all the starters back in, basically hoping that they wouldn't blow the lead because obviously that would have been embarrassing if they would have lost the game with their starters against the end of the bench for the Celtics. The lead immediately went back up before, and then they finally took Embiid, you know, and the rest of those guys out when they finally felt that the lead was secure and they wouldn't basically blow it again by putting the rest of the end of the bench back in. But what type of statement do you think that makes when you see guys like Pritchard, Langford, and guys like that towards the very end of your bench coming in 
and you see them putting up more of an effort to actually try to win the game, even against guys like Embiid and the rest of those guys, Harris, yet your starters didn't really seem to actually want to attack. Because I kind of felt, and I even said it in the group, you guys, I kind of felt that our guys seemed intimidated. You didn't see anybody really attacking the rim in the first half because they all felt they didn't want to attack due to Embiid being in there. It took all the way to the third quarter before we finally saw something going to the rim in this situation. And when they finally saw one guy do it, which I believe Jalen Brown was the first one to attack the rim because he saw a, saw a pretty big hole and he saw that he was able to make the layup, that's when we saw them finally start attacking. We saw them finally chopping the lead down. But by that time, Philadelphia was way too hot. So what type of, of message do you think that sends to the rest of the league and the rest of uh, Celtic Nation when you can see the end of the bench showing more of an effort from the moment they get into the game compared to the starters? Yeah, I don't I don't know how much I'm I'm personally going to read into that. And, again, I'm not trying to be negative per se. It's, it's, it's obviously good that they played well. I mean, that's, that's first and foremost. Um, but I think, you know, they're playing loose. They didn't really have anything to lose in the situation, you know, so they could play with, like, all right, well, let's go out here and see how it rocks. I think at the end of the day, though, if, if you're looking for a message that it's sent, is like, you know, just kind of playing with that, that vigor and wanting to attack. And maybe that's something is like, hey, maybe they can start challenging. And some of that is going to have to start coming in practice. Start challenging, you know, the starters even even harder and say, hey, I'm going to go at you because, hey, I want this playing time and we need to develop a, a different level of culture within the, within the locker room. And then that hopefully translates out onto the floor as well, too. So those are the things and habits that you want to see being built, per se. But in terms of, like, you know, what it meant to the, to the rest of the league or like that, too, I'm not really putting too much stock into that. But hopefully it can be something that he's like, hey, this is how we have to play. If our, you know, end-of-the-bench players are playing like this, even though there's no pressure in the situation, well, we should be doing this all the time because it was yielding positive results. And we've seen Boston play very good basketball against, like, Milwaukee's of the world and so forth like that, you know, this year. We've had, they've had some quality wins, but they just lose a level of intensity, and, and that's a, that just continues to be a, a continuous issue, you know, for this team. So it was nice to see the, the young guys – and, you know, the guys don't get a lot of run all the regular basis, do what they did. Um, but, again, all it, all you hope that does is that it sends some sort of uh, message within the locker room, but I don't think it meant anything to the rest of the NBA or the Sixers even in that situation. Okay, and meanwhile, one thing that has been discussed is the point guard position, the starting point guard. Obviously, Marcus Smart did not play yesterday, and he's not going to play tonight when the Celtics take on the Eastern Conference leading Chicago Bulls in this case, due to the fact that he's in uh, health and safety protocols due to testing uh, positive for uh, COVID in this case. But there's been a lot of talk about as to who should be the starting point guard in this case because many seem to feel that if you can get a pure point guard to this team, one who will basically have the ball in their hand and really find Tatum and Brown in the right position for the roles they're supposed to truly play, then this team could really start to take off in the right direction compared to the two of them always having the balls in their hand as it is because they're not really playing the roles as they're supposed to play, as you mentioned earlier. Now, yesterday and, of course, over the last few games, it seems like Peyton Pritchard, during the time he's been playing, has really started to get into a groove and is really putting up some decent numbers. Some have said that they feel that maybe he should take the backup role as the backup point guard, regardless of whether Inyo Doka decides to basically make 
Marcus Smart the starting point guard and give Pritchard the second row, or he decides to keep Dennis Schroeder there as the starting point guard and make Pritchard the, the backup point guard, and then maybe move these guys basically like Smart to a different um, position in this case. What type of uh, statement do you think Pritchard has been making as of late in this case with the numbers he's been putting up? Do you think maybe he should be given a right to actually get more minutes rather than it being that he only gets to play when there's really a major injury or somebody getting sick? I like how Pritchard has handled the season. Um, you know, I, I, as I think we said before, his minutes have been a little bit sporadic. Um, and when he plays, he really does try to guard here and, and do a great job. So I, I have to give him that. I, I struggle, though, with how much of a role he needs to have um, because I, I guess I don't see him as, as like, an elite-level playmaker myself. I still feel like he's, a, he's more of a combo guard and guy who can score the basketball, but is he really setting people up? And is, is he, can, he, can he be, even given those minutes, can he be elite at that level? To, to what we've seen thus far, said again, he's, because he handles the ball, sure but I don't know that he's that playmaker. So I'm fine with him getting minutes, but I, I, don't, I don't know if it's the exact answer that you're looking for because I still think there needs to be a different semblance of guard on this roster. And I know there's not Ricky Rubio's out there and things of that nature, but I'll just, you know, I'll throw names that, that I don't think they're going to be able to get this season per se, but like that are interest. At the highest level is like a DeJounte Murray in San Antonio. You're, like, you're not getting him, but somebody like that, great. Then you're looking at I'm looking at a backup guy in Dallas like like Jalen Brunson. I think he's you know I think he's a great lead guard who can score a little bit and can also play make for you at, at, at you know at, at the at the one level like truly being a pass first type of guy. Like those are two guys you know very opposite opposite ends of the spectrum so to speak. You know that I'm like, all right hey that would be great on this roster. Payton Pritchard to me is still too much of a scoring situation and that's why I think it's fine if he's coming off the bench because we all, we all know Schroeder's not long to be on this team. It's not going to be somebody who's going to be here, you know, four or five years down the line. Okay, and so obviously then you mentioned, you know, a critical point that we've been kind of um, debating here in the show, and I know me and Nigga will be talking about it later on, which is obviously you are at 43 games. You've already gone past the midway point because obviously the midway point is 41 games because it's an 82-game season in this case. And you are sitting at the 11th spot in the Eastern Conference. Again, you're only a half game behind the Knicks for that final spot in the playoffs. But, of course, you would be in the play-in tournament. You wouldn't be guaranteed a spot that gets you to the you know best-of-seven round in the situation in the first round of the NBA playoffs, as you would have to be you know one of the top six, which, of course, to get to that point, you're four games behind the Cavaliers as of this moment, basically, for the sixth spot when it comes to that uh, one of those spots. How long do you think the Celtics can go? How much longer do you think we can go with this team basically before Brad Stevens has to make that big decision of either either A, continue to go the rest of the season with this roster as is, or maybe having to be sellers at the trade deadline? Because, of course, we only have about uh, about a month or so left basically before the trade deadline gets here. As you said, Dennis Schroeder is one that's been a major talk because a lot of people feel that we should get rid of him because they don't think he's going to be here next season. Obviously, Marcus Smart's been another name that's been a, been rumored basically to possibly be traded because they feel that any deal you make for a potential superstar is going to have to be involved with him because obviously if you don't give up Brown or Tatum, he's the next one in this case. 
Time Lord obviously would maybe have to be a part of that deal as well. Or maybe you have to consider the option of taking the rest of the season and trying to go for a draft pick. You may not be, you know, the the, the team with the most, uh, you know, lottery balls in the lottery, but you could basically make it where you don't get into the playoffs and still have a chance to win the lottery in this situation rather than basically being one of those teams that goes into that play-in tournament knowing that you ain't going to be one of those teams that wins, you know, in the first round with the way the team has been playing. So how much longer do you think would be the wisest, uh, wisest move for the Celtics to continue to let this team try to show something to you before you say, you know what, this, te- this season's a lost season. We might as well just blow it up and send away the, send away the guys we know we don't want to bring back next season and try to get something now and keep the guys we do want to keep for next season and try to make sure we have some sort of decent assets for this summer when we want to make our next moves. Well, I mean, I think that's a super loaded question. I, the, the problem here is, and again, personal opinion, the problem here is that because of the play-in tournament, a lot of teams are still alive, right? And they feel, okay, well, if I, and a lot of times, hey, can I just get in? You're a turned angle away from your opponent, potentially, from maybe being, maybe, maybe being able to advance. Right, and I, I don't know how realistic it is. Like, you don't want to be banking on those types of things. But right now, there's a, the majority of Eastern Conference is still in the running, so to speak. It's shocking to see a team like Cleveland kind of pop up out of nowhere and then surpass surpass them. But then it's also equally as shocking to see a team like Atlanta be down there with them. You know what I mean? Struggling to get into the playoffs as well. So we just saw one trade, you know, with Atlanta, New York, and then they moved Reddish, um, you know, to to New York. And I think Stevens is going to have to kind of assess what's kind of out there that ultimately take the hard look. I don't know if they're, when that will be. Like, I, I, just, I just don't know because everybody's still in it. Everybody still has a chance, including, including Boston. So most teams are not, uh, are, are not panic, panic button pressing where you say, like, all right, well, we know we're done. And with Boston, we, we would expect that they're trying to compete for championships, but they're, they're nowhere near close to that right now. So making the playoffs is about as best as they, as, as they can do and is what they should expect, but at what level? And, and I think that's what Stevens and, and company need to ascertain is like, all right, well, are we okay getting to the first round and bouncing? Or like you said, do we start trying to make major significant moves now that will get us maybe get us to where we ultimately need to be, you know, a couple of years from now, as opposed to just kind of pulling and getting bounced out in the first round. It's, it's, it's a hard, hard pill to swallow, especially when you have two elite-level wings in Tatum and Brown. So that's why I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to try to make minor moves to kind of see what they, what they can do. Um, but I don't – I guess the best way I can say is, like, I don't think they have the confidence, really, to do anything crazy um, before the season is out. And then maybe we'll see some, like, level of overhaul maybe in the summer. Okay. So I guess the final question – basically, before we let you go. So, again, as I just said, we have the Celtics sitting at, in 11th, the Knicks in 10th, the Raptors 9th, the Wizards 8th, the Charlotte Hornets 7th. As of now, ladies and gentlemen, again, those four teams are your playing tournament teams. The Cavaliers are 6th, the 76ers are 5th, the Bucks 4th, the Brooklyn Nets are 3rd, the Heat are 2nd, the Chicago Bulls are 1st in this case. So, Warren, if you were to look at the way the um, schedule currently um, sets up, obviously this was the month after the Celtics had a pretty tough schedule in December where they were going to be facing a lot of the top teams in the uh, in the NBA in this case. 
you know, the Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets, and all of that. We were expecting this this month to be a month where you would see them kind of, you know, get things going because they were going to be facing some of the teams that you would think uh, under normal circumstances would be a lot more easier to beat in this situation. Now you can get your groove and all that going in this case. Obviously, the rest of the month, you, after Chicago, you got the Pelicans, you got the Hornets, the Blazers, the Wizards, the uh, Kings, the Hawks, the Pelicans, the Heat at the very end. In the end, in this situation, what do you think in this situation the Celtics will be looking at by the end of this month? Do you think ultimately we're still going to be on the outside looking in in this case, or do you think we will actually be back in play in tournament position? Well, I mean, they have to control what they can control. But as, as I said before, I think looking at the rest of the conference, you're, you're kind of surprised to see some of the things that have happened. And I think everyone's going to be, as they should be, trying to improve and, and to be better. You know, who has a realistic chance of doing that? You know, I think a lot of that is going to depend what happens at the trade deadline, you know what I mean, and whatever acquisitions or moves are made kind of throughout the course of, of the Eastern Conference. Boston just needs to worry about themselves. And I think if they can find a level of consistency where they can start to trust each other or not, and not allow things to continue to spiral when things get down, maybe they can get back up into this, you know, where they can be, you know, comfortably in eight seed. I don't know if we're going to see them be at six and have all those, you know, kind of not nothing to worry about <laughs> situation. I think this is probably going to be a play-in team regardless. Um, again, barring anything unforeseen, um, and that is for right now is going to have to be okay. Uh, so that's kind of my assessment of it, man. It's just like control what you can control, work on the, on the little things, because I think as Ty alluded to, there's a lot of reasons things are the way they are. Um, and if you clean up, you know, one or two things, we're, we're talking about a different, a different situation altogether. You know, they, they've had some really bad and poor losses that they could have avoided. So um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to dodge the question. It's just this team is very, very hard and interesting to kind of try to figure out. Um, and I think they have, they have a deeper level of control on the season than they think they do. But, because they played the way they played, it just seems like, okay, they need to make all these changes. Um, and that's why I still believe, like, they can make some minor things, too, playmaking and shooting, um, which I know is not easy to do, but if they can find adequate adequate ways to either improve that internally or maybe do that through acquisition, then you're talking about a different team that has a, a little bit better um, hope for the playoffs, potentially. Not championship level, but definitely at least could be a threat. Okay, that sounds uh, pretty decent. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Warren Shaw. I want to thank you, Warren, for joining us. Uh, it was good to see, see you kind of reunite with Tyree there in this situation. Uh, again, it was a long time since Tyree joined us on the show here in this case. Um, and it's been a pretty long time since we've actually uh, kind of agreed with Tyree on almost anything in this show. That I will <laughs> say in this case. Um, last time we really had anything to discuss with him was the idea of uh, tanking a couple of years ago, and he disagreed with us on that in this situation. Um, so to hear him actually talking about the idea that he's basically not, not too thrilled with the team, I'm kind of shocked. Um, so, yes, I want to thank you, uh, Warren, basically, for um, joining us. Again, you can find him later. You get him in on Twitter, at ShawSportsNBA. And, uh, Warren, we'll talk to you again, basically, maybe next month. I appreciate it, fellas. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks so much for having me on. Shout out to Ty. I'm my guy at both teams, man. So I enjoyed it. And again, and the last thing I'll say is not trying to be negative, just trying to be as realistic as possible. You know, this team has some good things, but it has a lot of negative things that they need to fix, and hopefully we'll see them turn the season around a little bit.
Have a good one, y'all. Yeah. I totally agree. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Warren Shaw. And uh, we will now go to block two in this situation. Uh, Andy uh, is uh, has uh, informed us that he will uh, miss the rest of the show. He's uh, under the weather. But we do have a, a friend in this situation, Lou, who's on hold. So Lou will join us for the remainder of the show in this case, in all likelihood, as uh, Andy's replacement um, after the audio break. So we will basically now... Listen to the BST in the situation, Boston Sports Tonight, as they give their impressions on the first half of the season, according to the uh, audios that the Eagle decided to um, audio um, he decided to put up in the situation, as well as uh, Felder and uh, Michael Holly in the situation, and also audio discussing the upcoming homestand, which again starts tonight as the Celtics host the Chicago Bulls. Celtics visiting the Sixers. Celtics actually jumped out to an early lead. You wouldn't believe it, but they did. Meanwhile, uh, Philadelphia in transition. Okay, well, that's that's how you get that done. Seth Curry with the three, and it was 20-12. to 12, And then later in the first, Jason Tatum turning it over. Oh, boy. Yeah. Cork Maz uh, out in transition with the lay from the foul. It was a 28-2 run for Philly. Good. Yeah, well, they led by 18 after the first quarter. Then you got some issues underneath here. We got an air ball, and, uh, well, Jason Tatum's not happy. He says, forget it, man. Is that what he said? Yeah. He got teed up for saying, forget it, man? Yeah. Okay, well, Joel Embiid, meanwhile, knocking down the jumpers. Sixers were up by 20 at the half, and then in the third quarter, Celtics kind of make a game of it. Oh, forget it, man. Embiid. Yeah. He only had 25 points, though. He had had eight straight games with 30-plus. Didn't do it tonight. How about that? That's a win. Moral victory. Celtics back to lose. Overall, it was a slow start, obviously, doing this there. Uh, just weren't sharp on both ends of the court. Uh, but I look at it more as an aberration than the norm. We've, we've been competitive in most games. Uh, even when we don't score, we still defend at the proper level. It's a little bit off tonight. It happens in the NBA at times. But we got to do a job, better job of getting our guys ready to play against uh, a tough opponent, you know, rival. And they were obviously coming off a loss. And, all right, so a 12-point loss to Philadelphia in a game that really wasn't ever competitive. Rich Keith joining us now, WEEI. Um, Brutal. Yeah, not, not good. Not <laughs> no, good. And, and a three-game winning streak, but you can't take the cheese on, on the Celtics. You just can't. There hasn't been reason to get confident in this group for them to be consistent at any level. And they go into this one, they score 35 points in the first half. Yeah. Down 20. I know Scal's trying to talk it up. Like, hey, here, there, there, I feel a comeback here. I feel a comeback. No, it just wasn't going to happen tonight. And once again, a team that can't shoot very well. And Dennis Schroeder, a classic case of a guy a couple nights ago, was really, really good. And then tonight was absent. You had to check the box score to even know that he was there. I guess he had the flagrant foul. That's how he, he, did. That he was there. That was maybe the most impactful play that he had. But, DJ, just another frustrating Celtics night. And just a classic, like, you could just be checking the box score sporadically throughout the night, and you just know how it's going to go. Like, okay, well... At some point, maybe they'll make it seem like, okay, well, this will be like a 10-ish point game or something like that. And then they don't come back, and that's just kind of it. And against the Sixers. They've scored yeah. like four points against the Sixers this season. Even the game that they beat them yeah. at the Garden what was like a month ago, they scored 88 points in one, which was like some sort of miracle. But I, Amina tweeted during the game. She said, like, man, Celtics just like really out of sync. And I was like, ah, kind of looks... 
close to normal for me. Well, that, that's <laughs> the biggest thing. Like, if this was three or four years ago and they had a game like this, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, they just had one of those nights. Now, it was probably more surprising that they won three in a row than right. that they lost by 12 tonight at Philadelphia. No, I mean, this is the reality. You know, last year they were 500. This year they are also like a 500 club. And it just seems like it doesn't almost matter the opponent, really. Like they've, they've played well against some of the good teams and some of the bad teams. They've played really bad against good teams and bad teams. They're, they're just kind of a very frustrating club all season long. That's the, they're, they're a fight-for-the-play-in tournament type of team right now. Like They're in the conversation with the Knicks and the Pacers and, and teams like that. Maybe I'm an idiot for this, but I'm trying to think of teams like even 10, 15, 20 years ago that had two of the best players in the NBA and were really just a, a fringe team at best. Doesn't happen. You have to have absolutely nothing else to have two of the best players in the NBA and be a borderline playoff, play-in team, yeah. it doesn't happen. So I, I say all the time, like, we pick a new scapegoat every year, and the list is dwindling. And now you've got to come back, and you've got to play on back-to-back nights, and, and you got Chicago Oof. tomorrow night, who's very good, although Zach yeah. Levine, I think, got hurt tonight. Yeah. So mm. still got Vooch, though. Yeah, you're probably not going to have to face him. Still got Vooch, and uh, Lonzo. Yeah, play for the Raptors. And, I mean, they've been so good this year. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're, they're an interesting case, too, because if you were doing, like, a draft between the, just the Celtics and the Bulls, Tatum would be the first pick. And Brown, you'd make maybe an argument for being close to maybe the second pick. Yeah. And then it's all Bulls after that. It's like four straight Bulls. And yet the, the difference is, like, ten games in the standings. Because they fit. They actually have a point guard in Lonzo Ball. They have two wing players who actually complement each other, even though they're also not big assist guys, you know, yeah. like Tatum and Brown. And then they have a good scoring big man. So... They, did, they found a way to, without the A-plus superstar to still build a really good team. It, it's funny. We had a similar conversation a couple of years ago going into the Raptors series, where it's like if you were to draft these two teams, yeah. it's probably Celtics are the first two or three mm-hmm. picks, and then there's just going to be a long run of Raptors. But the, that should tell you that you are the better team because it's all about star power in the N- NBA. Why is it all about star power in the NBA unless – you're the Celtics. Well, part of that, too, is that their supporting cast just hasn't been there consistently mm. enough. And their star power wasn't mm. good enough tonight, either. No, the star power they, was they struggling to shoot again. 20 points, 21 points for, yeah. for Tatum and Brown. And they actually had the same night against the Pacers the other night, and then they had the same night tonight against the Sixers. They were good the other night. They were both bad tonight. Yeah, no, that's true. And, I mean, they, 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 if they were winning, they'd be getting all the credit, Tatum and Brown. So when they're losing, they deserve most of the blame, even though you're right, their supporting cast isn't great. Who do you want them to pass it out to? Like, who, who's going to hit right. the open three for these guys? Like, they don't really have it. But I think it does also come back to those two guys. How do they complement each other? And it's, it's not great. It's not just finding the guy to hit the open three. It's how about... You defend the perimeter. Oh, not like sorry. Tyrese Maxey? Yeah. Just going off. The second-year player out of Kentucky, just going off. You have Seth Curry who's just like, all right, whatever. They were toying with the Celtics at points in that game. They were absolutely toying with them. Like, they're just like, we're trying to get Joel Embiid to score his 30 points, but you guys are defending him too well, so I'm just going to fake here and just take this wide-open three. No big deal. And that's I mean, what a few times this year the Celtics have played really well defensively, and you start to hear some of the conversations, like, oh, maybe this is what they'll be. Maybe they'll be, maybe they'll be a defensive team. And, like, and it's hard to be that in the NBA, especially when you have young players. Nobody wants to play defense 82 nights a year, and you might get a couple of those throughout the season, but you certainly can't rely on it. I mean, I think the, the most interesting storyline for the Celtics right now for me is what ends up happening with Brad Stevens because is the team going to look markedly different next year if 
it's Brad Stevens staying in that role. I'm not saying he's a bad GM or he's a bad president. I just don't know if he's actually a GM or a president or if he's somebody who's just waiting a year or two and then he's going to go off and coach somewhere else. This team needs actual real changes. And I mean, Toucher and Rich were yelling at him the other day and they were goofing around with that and everything. But like, I don't know if he's going to make moves. Yeah, well, we got uh, a little bit of time to kind of find that out. But right now, kind of hard they are, guys. Second quarter, Celtics up by 11 in Indiana. Jalen Brown, he hits the three. Brown had 20 points in the first half, feeling pretty good right there. After a 10-1 Pacers run, made it a five-point game. Jason Tatum, nice drive. Goes in for the slam to stop the bleeding. Third quarter, Celtics leading by 16. Dennis Schroeder, he's getting it going there, too, since his fourth three-pointer of the game. Schroeder had 23 points. Fourth quarter, shot clock running down. Jason Tatum, going to spin into the lane here. Uh, and one. And yell about it. Go ahead. Celtics win easily. 119 to 100. Tatum had 33. Brown had 34. It obviously makes everything a lot easier. And, you know, looking for that to be the regular thing, obviously. You got Dennis in there, you know, with 23. You got three guys in attack mode. It's hard to stop. No satisfaction whatsoever. Um, not at all. You know, just got back to 500. We got some tough games um, coming up in front of us, and um, I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, that's it. So no satisfaction whatsoever. Um, we're playing some good ball right now. We got to keep it up. All right, Felger, Jalen Brown says he's not satisfied. Are you satisfied with what you saw tonight from the Celtics? Yeah, what was the question? You know, did someone ask, you know, does that give you satisfaction? Who who would ask that kind of suck-up question? (laughs) I mean, you know. But anyway, uh, look, baby steps, right, Mike? Baby steps. They're finally taking care of business against bad teams and not struggling. I say finally like it's a, a trend. It's the first time they've done this in a long time. I don't know if you include that second Knicks game, but, you know, when they faced the Pacers the last time, they had to go to overtime, and Tatum had to tie it with the second and a half left. This is what it should look like against these kind of teams. You step on their throat early, and it's never in doubt. And now they got to string these together, and just uh, you put it well the other night. They're like bugs on your windshield. And finally, that was a game that looked like that. So that's just a baby step. What's... Where's the satisfaction come from? Who asked that question? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a team representative. Hey, aren't you just so satisfied? You guys scored. You and Jason combined for all these points. Very satisfactory, right? Anyway, the point is, and you just said it, and and Scal said it during uh, postgame, it's supposed to look like this with guys like that. Now, I don't know how far, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as the core of your team, I don't know how far they can take you. But you should be above 500, and you should do exactly what the Celtics did. I'll give them credit for this. They did what they were supposed to do tonight. You beat Indiana at home. It shouldn't have been that close, but you beat them at home. Then you have another game with them. You're supposed to beat that team again. They didn't need to blow them out. They actually did. But you've got to beat teams like this who aren't very good and don't have a Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum on the team. And I'll throw this at you, uh, Felger, last point on the Celtics. You know, they've been very sensitive. We know that. And sensitive with media criticism. And I just keep looking at it and say, well, what's your standard? I, I, I understand why they're sensitive. I disagree with it, but I understand why. Why? Uh, Jalen Brown played one year of college basketball at Cal, that basketball power Cal. Uh, they were barely 500. They made the playoffs and they made the postseason and they were done. Jalen uh, um, Tatum played at Duke. I'm sorry. Tatum played at Duke. Jalen Brown played at Cal. One year of college basketball, 
They don't know anything else. They don't know that this is not even tough criticism. So they just need to get on board, stop worrying about the media, and do what they did tonight, and they'll be just fine. Man, I, mean, I can just see the storylines, Bill. These guys facing down their critics. These guys, you know, those who think they can't play together, you know, look at tonight. It, it, the story isn't what someone like you or I say exactly. or the media says. The fact is that the team was turned over to these two starting at the beginning of last year, and they've been a 500 or below 500 basketball team. That's just the fact. It has right. nothing to do with right. what Perk says or someone like us says or what Twitter says. That's not a storyline. That's focus. not meaning right. th- that's not a media-generated storyline. That's not some sort of reality show thing. That is a fact. That is a fact. Since the team was turned over to those two at the beginning of last year, they have not delivered. Fact. If they deliver, then they're overcoming their own adversity. They're not overcoming or answering right. any false criticism. Let's take a look at the upcoming four-game homestand and what's ahead for this Celtics team. Bulls coming up on Saturday. Pelicans also, the Hornets and the Trailblazers. The Celtics have won four of five of their last home games. Forsberg, just how confident are you with the Celtics team coming back home and the slate that's ahead? So we'll get into the Bulls later, but there is a chance here. Like, even if you look deeper into the Celtics' schedule, they have the seventh easiest schedule for the rest of the way. And part of what you were hoping is that if you showed yourself well this weekend against elite competition that, okay, there's going to be a chance to make some ground, maybe crawl up those standings a little bit based on the talent that you're going to play. And so you look at, like, teams like New Orleans and Portland, like, those should be wins, especially on your home court, given the status of those teams but the Hornets and the Bulls like the teams that you're going to maybe see in the postseason the teams that you're trying to catch in the Eastern Conference those are a bit more daunting and ultimately that's for me is what matters it's like against good competition what is this team showing itself to be you can beat the Pacers of the world and the Magic but you know the eye test right now says they've got some strides to make to put themselves on the level of those teams and so that's just what I want to see like Bulls come to town like Bulls are in a little bit of a funk too but and what did the Celtics do coming off this loss? Do they get back to the team we saw the past few days, or do they continue to limp and you know not do good habits? Yeah. So I, I'm, this homestand is very important to to whatever comes next. And and he may refer to this Sixers game as a measuring stick type of game. You know what could you learn about this Celtics team on this four game homestand? Yeah, so uh, same deal. It's like, was this an outlier? And, uh, again, it's hard to say that when we've been on this roller coaster for two and a half seasons, but, all right, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you have a dud, but that means you have to bounce back the next night and get back to doing the things you've done. Like, JB and JT have been great for stretches. That that game in India gave us all hope. Like, maybe they're starting to put this thing together and can have good games on, on the same night. But then there's nights like this where they both struggle and they can't rescue the Celtics and they're part of the problem with their turnover. So it's a challenge. Coming back home, short, not a lot of rest. You got nine minutes of rest because you sat out the end of this fourth quarter. Hopefully that motivates you to get back out there and, and find a way to turn this thing around. Yeah, well, things do not get easier from here on for the Celtics. Okay, so we are back, ladies and gentlemen. And again, you just heard... Um, Felger and Holly giving their thoughts basically on uh, pretty much the team over the last two seasons in this case and the fact that they feel basically that the Celtic players pretty much continue to hate criticism and I think uh, I stand, I, 
I basically represent everybody that's that's basically joined this team, and I'm talking about our Celtics Talk Radio team, that basically can say, we know it's the truth. If you've gone into that Celtic locker room and you've basically seen the interviews, we've seen Tatum, we've seen Brown, we've seen Marcus Smart, you've seen Kemba Walker. Each and every one of those guys, you know, and obviously uh, we're waiting uh, for Igor to join us in this case when he's ready. Um, but, uh, Lou, I think you can agree with me in this situation. I can't. Now with us. Okay, so, Igor, yes. um, so that audio with uh, with um, Felger and Holly basically was talking about the fact that these players have all basically at some point, ever since Tatum and Brown took over, have all basically shown that they can't stand the heat. They hate criticism being dealt their way in this situation. You know, if you give it, if you give the criticism too, you know, too much to them, it's a miracle we haven't seen them basically break down and cry in the locker room in front of the media in this situation. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe when the cameras are off, that's what they're doing in the locker room. Locker room in this situation. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a room with a bunch of diapers and baby wipes in this situation. We just don't know it. Probably. <laughs> you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, 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 maybe you know, it could be similar to similar to Clark Kent in this situation. Maybe there's like a a special jersey you got to take off the hanger and a secret room in this situation. All of a sudden appears inside the Celtic locker yeah. room. You know, for all we know. But literally, you know, it's been like that ever since Tatum and Brown took over in this situation. You know, and we know it's the truth because we've seen how Celtic fans have treated the situation. Literally, criticism cannot be dealt to this team and specifically to your star players without somebody coming to the team's defense and wanting to basically say you're wrong for doing so. Obviously, this year has been a little bit different because now people are starting to get a little bit fed up with the fact that it's always the same issue in this case. I have, a... <laughs> I have Danny, ahead, I have uh I have tweet at the Twitter. You know, first first of all, uh thanks Lou for calling. Uh you will participate you, in Igor. the second hour. Uh second of all, uh I want to express my condolences to Kevin, who lost family member, his sons, if I'm correct. Uh, third, I want to wish Andy Vernon speed recovery because he's ill. He cannot participate yeah. with us in the third hour. And fourth, uh, go Patriots, man. This is the most important game of the night. The Celtics are five, sub-500 team, but the Patriots are legit title contenders. And the Patriots can give us the title uh, in Boston uh, this year, right, Daniel? Uh, somebody didn't uh, expect that, but uh, Patriots are legit uh, contenders, unlike the Celtics. Uh, and what I wanted to right. say, thanks Warren Shaw for calling, of course, and thanks Ty Ray for calling. It was fun in the first hour, and uh, it was uh, really... Uh, 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 just like in all good times of the Celtics Talk Radio, the first 100 episodes. Anyway, uh, I want to say, Danny, sorry for interrupting you. Uh, I want to say that uh, in my tweet that Tyre are uh, attaching us, uh, all Celtics fans, uh, we have been discussing 
happening with the Celtics, uh, with Nick Delso and Ty Ray and Mark Murphy and uh, uh, Rich Conte and all the others, uh, you know, writers, uh, Celtics fans, Canada, uh, then, uh, you know, uh, Celtic, uh, Duke, CLNS, Duke, um, uh, is Mike Dynon, our guest, Vinny from uh, MA, um, and all the other uh, good uh, Celtics fans and reporters. Anyway, we are discussing in this street the conversation was, Daniel, about exactly what Felger and Mez are talking. First of all, uh, how did uh, the Celtics franchise transform over the night into this uh, state of uh, the Celtics franchise that I would call broken, uh, in one word. Uh, the second thing is uh, uh, why the Celtics fans are living in, uh, and not only Celtics fans, the NBA fans, uh, the younger generation of fans, why they are living in their own world. Uh, Celtics Canada said uh, the Celtics fans live in a video game world. He could not say that uh, better. He, they live in their own matrix, uh, video game world. You know, uh, Danny, that is maybe the key to understand uh, how they are acting. Because for them, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they are just the players in the video game, okay? So Jason Tatum has, for example, 97 credits, and he's an exceptional player in uh, NBA uh, 2022. Uh, Jalen Brown has 100 credits at the game. And so if you tell them that uh, they actually are not good leaders, they didn't play well, they deserve responsibility for the Celtics and when, when they are, they, 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 cannot, uh, they cannot accept anybody else's argument because they live in fantasy world, okay? They are not in reality. They have been detached, I noticed, and I wrote that at the page, I was trashed, uh, that uh, this will kill us. As we said, Daniel, you and I, since 2018, it will kill us because uh, the Celtics fans started walking since that playoff run. When Kyrie was injured, when uh, Hayward was injured, when uh, Tatum was rookie and Brown was sophomore, when we lost from the Cavaliers in the Game 7, remember, when Rozier shot it all 10 from threes, since that playoff run, our fan bases started living in fantasy world. And sadly, our management and our ownership, they joined our Celtics fans in fantasy world in 2019. Okay? So everything that happened in the last uh, three years, I would say, since 2019, is just like the bad film matrix uh, for the Celtics. And everything is messed up. And I discussed with the fan that is believing that uh, by uh, trading for Bradley Beal, 
the Celtics will become the instant contenders, Danny. So the Celtics fans, Danny, this, the Celtics being 500 team, uh, two years, they believe that the magic will will happen. Some uh, savior, some Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I, I mean, pardon me, God, for, for, for from taking your name without purpose. But uh, they believe that uh, uh, second coming of Larry Bird will will happen uh, when we trade for Bradley Beal. So um, when Bradley Beal comes, we we will. He said we will become instant contenders. It will not happen. But let's save this second subject uh, for a little later to uh, respond. Uh, to, 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 to your uh, question, Danny, uh, why uh, the, 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 the Celtics players, fans, and media, why, why they are uh, allergic to criticism? They cannot take any uh, criticism that is um, based on reality, on fact. Um, they, the Celtics fan base is changed in the last 20 years. This is the conclusion of our crew um, and like Perkins said he said that the Celtics fans just become soft and uh, until I find find uh, I, I, will, I will find the text that uh, Danny you copy paste me ah I found found it Kendrick Perkins rips the Celtics fans to being too soft uh, the Celtics' biggest rival in 2022 isn't the Bucks, Nets, or Lakers. It's Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins, he got into Twitter back and forth with Jason Tatum over the weekend after pointing out the young All-Stars sub-pair play in Boston's win Saturday over the Knicks. Perkins' mild criticism prompted Tatum to call out the former big man on the Twitter said that he shouldn't uplift one man, uh, Brown, while bringing another man down, Tatum. Some Celtics fans on social media publicly voiced their opinions, support for Tatum, which propelled Kendrick Perkins to stay online about the Green Teamers. You Celtics fans are changing, Perkins wrote. You are getting soft. I remember you all used to boo us uh, for underachieving. I guess times has changed. Or shall I say, expectations among the Celtics fans has changed. While most analysts acquiesced uh, uh, to current players, Perkins shared uh, his unbashed views, making him an outlier. He wasn't shy about criticizing the Celtics. And in recent days, Perkins has doubted uh, the critiques of the Celtics fans. I got a problem with the Celtics fan base. I played mm-hmm. here eight and a half years. Maybe I got certain expectations. Maybe they don't have any more expectations from the team. When I was playing here, you was ripping me apart for one loss. It was all about championship. Now it is not the case. More than anything, Perkins seems to be uh, bemoaning the lack of winning culture around the Celtics. Despite bringing back Al Horford, it appears the team lacked veteran leadership or the players who counter Tatum and Brown when they 
uh, get over sensitive. It's too bad the Celtics can't bring it Perkins to stand on the sidelines. They may result in mini uh, mutinely, uh, but uh, he would be delivering the message they need to hear. This is the essence, Danny. This is the essence. The Celtics fans change. They become soft. They don't have any expectations. The Celtics, uh, Boston is not title town anymore. It is the town uh, in which uh, fans are watching basketball for entertainment, um, when they are supporting the team by all costs, when they don't have any expectations, and um, everything changed. That's just reality. And they are living in their own world. Uh, so what do they then? As I said, you know, I was just saying it's basically the truth. You know, it's basically been a total 180 ever since Tatum and Brown took over. Because if you mm-hmm. recall, he, you know, he it, it was a total, totally different thing when Perkins and Garnett, Pearson, and Allen and Ronda were there in this situation back then, it was championship or bust in this case. You know, right. you know the the only season I can remember that everybody kind of you know gave the team a little bit of a pass in this situation because they didn't win was the one where where Garnett went down with the injury in this situation, the leg injury in this case, because everybody kind of knew without. Garnett, the team had no chance of winning no championship because the roster was not built to win anything without him because he didn't have another decent big man because Perk, obviously, he he was similar to what Time Lord is, is today in this case. You know, he didn't have any really decent scoring ability outside of the paint in this case, and but he, but he was, uh, I guess you could say Time Lord is much more better than Perk. You know, Time Lord right now is better than what Perk was back then when Perk was playing. If you yeah. actually want to consider it, you know that you know mm-hmm. Perk back then was heavy, big, slow. You know, he was always being left down the paint. You know, left down the court. You know, he was like a tortoise in this situation. In this case, while Time Lord, he's able to get up and down the court in this situation and is able to jump. But because of that. But Garnett was always the key with the, with those teams. The moment you lose him in this situation, your chances of winning automatically went out the window. You know, with you know, and then Pierce was almost the same thing because he was the one that would go toe to toe with the superstars from these other teams. You know, the LeBrons, the Carmelos, and all that. Um, but when you look at the um, teams that have been as of recent years, heck. Even when you had Kyrie Irving here, you guys, and I'm talking just before, you know, we we ended up basically um, giving this team over to Tatum and Brown. It, it seemed like the mindset was still similar. It was championship or bust, and the fans were willing to treat it like that. The moment you gave it over to them, the mindset completely changed. It was like a one, a complete 180 in this situation. So fans wanted the championship, still wanted to go the route of saying, oh, we can be, you know, better off by letting these guys go and somehow have a chance of actually winning something. But then yet, you do not want to have the same mindset of basically saying in this situation 
that we got to treat it like treat it that way, you know, it's utterly ridiculous, which is why I have kind of said in this case that for some people, like again mentioning Ty Ray, Ty Ray to see him basically kind of say, you know, that he's been utterly disgusted with what he's been seeing and all that has been almost like a surprise and almost like a, a welcome sight because some fans in this in this situation, Igor, it took a while. That's the, that's been the key. It took a while, but some people are starting to see the light in this situation. You know, if we could mm-hmm. see people being willing to say it to Isaiah Thomas, who was willing to mm-hmm. basically bust his ass for this team in this situation and went through what he went through, but yet people were willing to basically put him under that microscope of saying, you know, if you don't get us a championship, basically we're going to criticize you. And if people were willing to do it against Kyrie Irving, knowing that he already had a ring on his finger and knew how to win a championship, regardless of the circumstances, ladies and gentlemen, of the fact that he was the second or third best player in Cleveland and LeBron was the one that really was the one responsible, he basically was still on that team. And LeBron doesn't win no championship without Kyrie because how many championships has LeBron won without a second and third man? Uh, Igor, Lou, has LeBron ever won a championship on his own? Um, I would say uh, no, not on his own. Exactly. Uh-uh. So, as far as I know, LeBron always has always needed a, two other big name stars to win. So, ladies and Kyrie, gentlemen, Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Love in Cleveland, Chris Bosh, Dwayne yep. Wade in Miami, in Lakers, uh, Anthony Davis, and uh, uh, let's say Anthony Davis. Uh, I mean, he had. Um, uh, our Schroeder guy, but uh, that team was uh, pretty much stuck. Rondo was there, uh, many veterans. Yes. Exactly. So I'm simply saying for anybody who wants to get on Kyrie and say, oh, that ring doesn't count, no offense, just because he wasn't the number one guy or the number two guy, mm-hmm. and you want to say, oh, he had LeBron, no offense, LeBron has never been able to prove he can win the championship on his own. That's why he ditched Cleveland. If LeBron if LeBron ever wins a championship where he's the only superstar on the team, then, you know, your argument has some sort of weight to it. But the moment, you know, but as far as it makes it, where as long as LeBron has to keep having two players, three players, four players, basically, that are all superstars running running to his team, that, that's where you know, basically, that, you know, someone like Kyrie – is still just as important as LeBron in this situation, basically, because he's got to do some some critical things to help. And and we all know Kyrie had hit some big time shots in the in that Cavaliers, you know, run to the championship in this situation. So if you can even make Kyrie get you know put under that microscope microscope and make it where he you're going to be critical for him if you don't win no championships during his tenure here, then why is it that Tatum and Brown? can't be put under the microscope and any of the players we got right now that are all veterans. You know, I'm not saying to put all the players, obviously, because not all the players are veterans in this situation. You know, like, so I'm not saying put, you know, Pritchard. I'm not saying put Neesmith. I'm not saying, you know, put any of the guys you drafted this year. But the ones who are your leaders, ladies and gentlemen, the ones who you said, let's get rid of the veterans for because these guys are the ones we want to, you know, basically take us to the promised land. Those are the ones who you basically gotta gotta go the route of putting under the microscope, especially yeah. since they were the ones that said last said basically two years ago, 
we do not want to follow the lead of our veterans back then. They were the ones that basically told Kyrie, told Horford, told Hayward, and all of them, we feel we're more entitled to the starting spots than you are. So, ladies and so basically, we want your spots. We want you to get the heck out of our way. And ultimately, you listen to them. So, Igor, I'm in agreement. And that's where fans basically got to realize. If you can basically accept it like that and basically, you know, say that, 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 that mm-hmm. they were right, then you got to basically go the route of putting them under the same microscope and the same treatment you gave Garnett and Allen. You got to give them the same treatment you gave Burr, Parrish, you know, Britt Russell and all those guys back then. If not, you're a hypocrite. How about you? Uh, every, every, everybody, everybody should be criticized, including us. But uh, everybody should be criticized uh, based on the facts and their own work. Yes. I'm ready to get blamed for my bad prognosis, bad uh, analysis, and bad criticisms. But uh, sadly, uh, Danny, the fans uh, have seen. Uh, the, the, uh, sadly, Danny, the fans uh, could see that uh, uh, majority of the things that uh, you and I predict uh, they come true. You know. Because uh, we know the hoops and we know uh, what we are what we are talking about. Uh, anyway, uh, what uh, then you wanted to say? You wanted to ask something. Yeah, I was going to say, what about Lou? What's his thoughts? Lou? Um, no, I, I don't have any, uh, any thoughts on that. Okay, uh, I I wanted to. I wanted to discuss, uh, Daniel, uh, about, uh, about um, I mean, yeah, I, I was talking about um, at the page a uh, really short uh, tweet that uh, kind of um, get to our fans, uh, uh, our fans' um, nerves, Daniel. Uh, that is, uh, that is, uh, I said that uh, uh, I want the Celtics to pick up uh, the route, the, the direction uh, soon. And Brad Stevens will have the decision very soon to pick up the direction uh, because uh, 51% of the regular season is over and we are mm, currently non-playoff team non-play-in team and on the ESPN rankings uh, we are ranked as a team that is fighting for the play-in and that's who we are like Mm -hmm. it or not who we are so what is the smart move uh, at the trade deadline for the Celtics and Brett Stevens. Uh, we have audio, and Danny, we will cut the show uh, to uh, like uh, 8.30 because uh, the game with the Bulls will start. So do you think uh, we will... Uh, do you think we will uh, uh, get good informations about the rumors uh, in that audio block three or do you think it will be better to 
chat on un until 9, 8.30, pardon. Uh, well, the audio for the rumors has rumors basically on players from uh, all different teams that may be up for grabs in the situation, including the Celtics. Um, so it's not all about the Celtics only. Then we will uh, continue. Um, what I was trying to say, Daniel, is I wrote, I will quote myself, the Celtics should be sellers at the trade deadline. I don't see with this core, this roster, I don't see them being, uh, I mean, we can get to the playoffs, that's for sure. We have the talent, but we are the first round exit team most likely. If we get to the playoffs, and again, I underline, we are playing team most likely. And in the playing, you know that one game can eliminate you. And we showed that we can lose from anybody in one game, I think. You know, uh, the teams that are uh, fighting for the playing that will be uh, potentially in the play-in are the teams that we should beat in one game. Uh, you know, for example, when you look at uh, the standings, uh, Charlotte, Washington, uh, Toronto, New York, uh, those are the opponents that we should beat in one game. But we also lost from those opponents. Okay? Toronto defeated us. Washington I think Charlotte, New York defeated us. Uh, so, I mean, um, it is not not uh, sure 100% that we would be we would be the winners of the playing tournament uh, this year. Um, and what we would get, Daniel, if we uh, qualify for the playoffs and we lost in the, in lost uh, in the first round from. Chicago, Miami, Brooklyn, or Milwaukee, or Philadelphia, whatever. I don't think that we are getting anything from that. Now, um, what is most likely is, like Forsberg said, that uh, uh, the Celtics should uh, maybe uh, tank and maybe develop the youths because we have the uh, young kids uh, in uh, Romeo Langford in Naismith, in Grant Williams, Robert Williams, uh, who else is there? Uh, Peyton Pritchard. Mm -hmm. They are on the roster. They are not getting playing time. We are wasting our picks. We wasted zillion of first-round picks because we are drafting the guy and we are not playing the guy. So you are either committed to develop the young guys and giving them the true playing time, like I said in the first hour with Warren, you're not developing the guy, Peyton Pritchard, for example, uh, by giving him tonight 15 minutes and the next game against Chicago, he is not playing at all. Or the Aeronation. And then we are saying, oh, but the young kids, they are not playing, they are not developing. Now, Grant Williams is example, uh, positive example, because he overcame all benching and he became the good contributor from the bench, solid one. Now, this is not the way how you develop kids. 
you're developing kids, for example, like uh, good teams are doing, like sons are doing. Did you did you notice what the sons did with Jalen Smith? They are starting him. Okay, they missed the first yeah. two centers, like the Andre Ayton and uh, Javal McGee, but they gave Smith the third guy in rotation minutes. He was playing 15 to 20 minutes because they recognized the talent. What Golden State Warriors did, they did semi-tanking two seasons ago when Curry and uh, Clay both were injured. They did semi-tanking. They got the pick. They got James Wiseman and they developed the young, the kids. They developed Jordan Poole. They developed James Toscano. Bielica came there. Um, Chris Chioza. I forgot. I mean, they played before injury James Weisman. And they gave those kids confidence. And right now, and Gary Payton uh, the second, who came from G League and the Summer League. And he became uh, the third uh, guard in rotation there without Clyde Thompson. So you're developing them by giving them playing time, uh, you know, teaching them how to play, uh, learning from the veterans, and, you know, giving them confidence. That is not what the Celtics are doing. They are uh, blocking the kids with the veterans. Okay, so we said prior to the season, according to the Celtics officials, at least, that we are making the playoff push. We want to be contenders because we have the two stars in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Great. So, we hired the veterans. Richardson, Schroeder, Horford. Right? Canter. So, by doing that, we blocked the young kids that I'm talking about. Dennis Schroeder blocked Peyton Pritchard. Richardson blocked Naismith and Langford. Um, Horford and Ines Kanter, they blocked Robert and uh, Grant Williams. So in order to find out what you have from these young kids, you need to give them playing time to see what you got from those guys. And then you determine Peyton Pritchard and, for example, Romeo Langford, they should stay. The others, you are cutting because they are not for the Celtics. So, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford. I'm keeping these three. The others, how you are doing the thing. Okay? And what the Celtics are doing, they are doing nothing. They are not contending, and they are not tanking and not developing him. The worst possible thing that, that, that can happen to one franchise that want to be the champion in the NBA is exactly what is happening to the Celtics. So if you want to see the book example, how you are doing everything wrong, just watch the Celtics since 2019. They are giving the school example of, the, of, of, of everything goes wrong. And everything's doing bad. How? Because 
you don't have strategically any benefit by being mediocre 500 or sub 500 team and first round exit team because you're not good enough to contend and you're not bad enough tanking to get the lottery pick. Like Forsberg said, one of the ways to increase the rebuilding process is to get the lottery pick and then to package uh, that pick uh, in some potential trade for the star to do semi-tanking like Toronto did, like Golden State Warriors did, like uh, many other things, uh, many other, uh, uh, you know, uh, franchises did to get the lottery pick, to get the good pick guy that you want, then to develop him, and then you're stronger the next year. Or package that pick, that is lottery pick, package that pick uh, in the big trade for the star. And then the next year, you are better. So it is real time to pick the direction. And I said, and will close my, uh, you know, elaboration. I said the Celtics should sell, sell, sell on the veterans. Dennis Schroeder, uh, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, Enis Kanter, out. We discussed in the first hour about it. Then, in the second hour, give the chance to the young kids. Develop them. The same time, you will tank. You will get the worst record, bad, bad record. Uh, if you miss the playoffs, so what? The ground will not fall. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the sky will not fall on your head. So, I mean, you will get the lottery pick, for, for example, uh, from 7 to 12 spots, and you will have a set. So the next year, you can turn potentially the things around. Okay. And this is what I think the Celtics should do. Uh, now, if they want to make the playoff push, fine. But do not tell that, I, that uh, the Celtics Talk Radio is only criticizing. We here are offering the solution. And because Andy is not there, I have his very clever post about what Ime Yudoka should do. Daniel, I want your opinion about the Celtics direction. We're, we're heading down the wrong direction as of right now. That's the uh, obvious answer. I don't know how anybody can say right now it's the, posit- it's the right direction, knowing that when you look at some of these teams in this situation that are ahead of you in this case, you were slated at in this in this case. Just look at where you were a few years ago, you guys. Let's let's be honest. Look at where you were a few years ago, and you were the team in the Eastern Conference playoffs going to game the clear seven. Cup favorites. The clear cup yeah, favorites. Yeah, you were the one. Exactly. You were the one that everybody had slated to be the next kings, I guess you can say, of the Eastern Conference. Because yeah. you were able to go to, to Game 7. You took LeBron James, a LeBron James-led team, to Game 7, where you gave him as much as he, his team could handle. Many would say if it wasn't for some of the crappy calls that we all know LeBron, a LeBron James team gets in this situation – you know, we all know that that's the truth because we've 
dealt with that ever since, you know, ever since the big three era in this situation when we ended up having Garnett and Allen come to Boston and we started seeing our team get back to the playoffs and all that, you know. And so it's every time our team has run into a LeBron James, you know, led, play, led on team in the playoffs, you know you're facing him and his team plus the officials in this situation. But ever since that game seven with, the, with LeBron, you were slated to be basically the next team to take over if LeBron James decided to basically leave the conference. And since then, you went south. Every other team, basically, you beat in that run has basically gone north. Think, you beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round that year. And now they're ahead of you as a team that basically is viewed more dominant, as more dominant, has a brighter future because they, their star is, is basically viewed as more elite than any of yours in this case. And, of course, they're, they're, they're higher up in the standings. You beat, if I remember, the 76ers in that run as well, in this case in the second round, and again, the 76ers are ahead of you, and their top star is basically viewed as more elite than either of yours at this point. And then, of course, now you got the new, you know, the team that is basically viewed as the top team in the Eastern Conference, which is the Brooklyn Nets. And what is and what's so, you know, um, so so special about them, or you know. What's the main thing about them is that that's a team that was brought together by one of your former players. One of your former players who, you know, you can make an argument that he had had it planned all along, or he could have easily basically decided to leave after the mistreatment he got from his former teammates here in Boston. One way or another, there's no way of knowing because obviously, unless you know some sort of uh, FBI investigation gets into comes into play, and they start you know searching his searching his uh, phone and looking into his records and all of that, and start looking for the text messages between him and Durant and Harden and Harden and all these other boys, you know, there ain't no way for you to to, to really to basically figure out which is which. You know, did he have it planned all along, or did it happen basically after his? You know, um, his uh, issues with Brown and Tatum and Rozier, you know, there's no way of knowing, obviously, you know, in this case. But literally, the, situ- the, the, thing, the thing is that you had everything lined up for you. You were, <laughs> you were basically headed in this situation down the golden road in this case to being the top team in the Eastern Conference where you were going to be the creme de la creme and you blew it. You blew it and now you got not one, not two, but three sure teams are all going to be ahead of you in this situation unless somehow, some way, they end up doing the exact same thing you did, which is blow it. Yeah. And, of course, we all know how the Bucks will have to blow it. They would have to do something that basically forces Giannis onto the Kupo to want to leave Milwaukee. The 
76ers, a similar situation. They would have to do something that forces Joel Embiid to want to leave Philly. And then in Brooklyn, it's even more complicated. You got not one, not two, but three superstars on that team in this case. And an argument could be made that each and every one of those stars is better than the two guys you got. You know, Irving will be the only one that basically is a, it could be a toss-up if you put him one-on-one against, you know, ranking, you know, rating him one-on-one against Tatum and Brown. But you know for a fact, Brown and, 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 um, and Tatum against Kevin Durant and James Harden and tell a person, okay, make a team in this situation. Which are the top first two you're going to pick? Ain't no way in hell anybody's going to basically pick Tatum and Brown ahead of James Harden and, and Kevin Durant. Not off, not off. You know, you, you you know you would have to basically have that person's head examined if you chose Tatum and Brown ahead of Kevin Durant and James Harden at this point in their careers. You know, so literally ever since that game seven, decisions made by Danny Ainge and of course Brad Stevens as the head coach and now as the GM have basically made this team go from, have basically made it where they took a left. They went off the golden road and basically went right right into, you know, some sort of like, you know, quicksand and started sinking fast in this situation. And all of a sudden, somebody else basically gave the other three teams a map to that same road and they went right by you, basically going 90 miles per hour. And now the question is, how the hell are you going to get out of that quicksand and try to basically catch up if you're not willing to make some of the hard decisions? And as you know, as you have said, Igor, as Lou has said in the past, you know, as uh, Andy has said, Kevin has said it. The problem is, a lot of those hard decisions, Celtics Nation has made it clear they don't want to accept it. Our our owners have made it clear they're not willing to do it because it has to do with money in this case, and they're not willing to basically spend the money to have some sort of experiments be to be done unless they know somehow, some way, that spending the money is a guarantee that the championship is going to be brought. The problem is there ain't no way to guarantee a damn thing in this league anymore. You know, think about it. Back when Garnett and them were brought in, it was almost a, <laughs> that was a, that was the closest thing you could get to a guarantee that basically a championship was going to be won because of how the how the um, the league was was made back then. Back then, think about who you had basically on all the teams. The closest competition the Celtics were going to have as a threat to them was truly the Detroit Pistons because of the fact that they had Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, and Chauncey Billups. They were the only other big three in the league at that time, other than obviously you know the the big three in San Antonio with Duncan, uh, if I'm correct, Duncan, Ginobili, and uh, Parker at that point, if they were, you know, if I'm correct at that point. You know, other than that, you know, Shaq was already out of L.A., so Kobe was on his own in this situation. So, you know, that was really not no longer a threat. And obviously we proved that by basically just, you know, beating them in the finals in this case. So, really, the moment you had those guys go to, you know, come to Boston, they immediately became the favorites in the NBA to win it that year. But now, every team in the league is basically looking to follow the follow the blueprint you basically made of basically wanting three superstars or more on the team. And because now it's all about basically 
spreading the floor and making three-pointers, and it seems like everybody can nail a three-pointer today at this point. There's no no way in this – except the Celtics. Yeah, that's the way it seems to feel. That's the way it seems to feel at this point. There's literally in this situation no way to guarantee that a championship can be won. So you got to literally be willing to put the money up and then just give the team an opportunity to prove it in this situation. And if it doesn't happen that first year, either A, accept the fact that they got it, you got to give them another shot, or make some sort of trades, some sort of moves, and bring some other players in and send some players out in this case. But Wick Grosbeck in this situation doesn't want to go that route. He wants the, the general manager to make sure that whoever comes in, if he spends any big-time money on this team, can be guaranteed to bring the championship that very first season in this case. And if there isn't no way to get that the guarantee can be made, he doesn't want to put up the money. I I, I mean, everything you said, I totally agree. Uh, like I said, uh, I mean, uh, I just want to explain a cu- couple of things until... Uh, we will we will go uh, Danny and Lou until the Chicago game starts, like uh, 15 top 20 minutes. Um, yeah. So uh, what what is what is uh, uh, what is uh, John, John Holliner John Holliner said just from the Athletic. I rewatched Boston and Phil in the morning. Man, Boston is pay- painfully ugly to watch on the offense. Um, also, um, Hybel was great on his block deflections and the defense. He was unreal. That is another proof of what we are talking here. But um, returning to my point, um, Danny, one uh, person said uh, on my post um, the questions, uh, why do you want to dismantle uh, this team when the next year by um, trading for Bradley Beal and what was the other uh, just uh, just a second what was the other name coming here uh, that he mentioned uh, just a moment yeah uh, Fox the Aaron Fox so if we trade for Bradley Beal, uh, he didn't say whom to trade. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, for example, let's say Bradley Beal or Aaron Fox. So you will trade Smart and your garbage players, and you will keep Tatum and Brown, and Washington will trade you Bradley Beal. So that is going to happen when I become the, the new Pope. But, uh, okay, Uh, if you want to trade uh, with Washington, I have a piece of information that uh, Washington will require uh, Jalen Brown in return, at least, or Jason Tatum, because they are not stupid in Washington there. That is the first thing. But uh, everybody is saying, Daniel and Luke, that uh, Bradley Beal is free, even our Kevin Dixon, that uh, Bradley Beal loves Boston, loves Jason Tatum. He is made with Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. He wants to play with Jason Tatum. He will come here when he's free agent 2023. 
I disagree with that, but um, let's assume that, uh, for just for entertainment, that uh, Bradley Beal comes here as a free agent and he is signing the maximum contract with Boston. Now, what is my problem with that assembled team? Uh, do I think that uh, this team uh, will fix anything and this team uh, is going to win anything? Absolutely not. Why? Yep. Because with uh, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, you will need about three balls on the court to satisfy all three of them. And why I don't think Bradley Beal will come uh, by his own to Boston, uh, I will give only my opinion. Uh, because in Washington, first of all, he's doing solidly. Um, I mean, uh, his team is struggling. They had solid start. But he's number one. He's number one fiddle. Uh, uh, he's paid well as a superstar. And he, he's pumping his statistics. Uh, he's having the games with 53 points, 50-something points. Uh, he's having 25, 30 field goal attempts per, per game. So he's having media attention. He's an all-star. Yeah. He's uh, one of the names uh, that uh, potentially can be uh, in the all-NBA team. If not first all-NBA team, then second or the third. What I'm trying to say, he is building his name, reputation. He's uh, getting his money in Washington. In Boston, he will come. Why? To play with Jason Tatum. Okay. And then in Boston, he will be like the third fiddle. So do, do, you, do you really think that uh, Bradley Beal will come to Boston to shoot less shoots than he is having in Washington? And to play with Jason Tatum. No. And how do you no. think? How do you think this is fitting when you have the two guys that that by their own words are not playmakers, are not good assistants. They are not making their teammates better. They said Tatum and Brown, we are working on playmaking and assisting. And you are adding the third guy who is shooting 25 to 30 field goal attempts per game. How is that going to fix the Celtics problem, Celtics fans? It's not. How? I mean, maybe I am wrong, Daniel, but I don't see how is this going to work. Again, wishful thinking. Wishful thinking by Celtics fans in this situation. For one, we know that more than half of them don't even know how the salary cap system works when it comes to this whole thing of wanting to suggest, you know, oh, we can trade for this guy, we can trade for that guy in this case, you know, which is why many of them, you just have to ignore a lot of the stuff they be talking about when it comes to, you know, trades and free agency and all of that. But, you know, we do know one, the only thing when it comes to, you know, to be able that, yes, he is a friend of, of Tatum in this case. So, you know, yeah, the Celtics could always use that to, to their advantage if they were to try to negotiate with him for him to come this way. But, ladies and gentlemen, you are not getting Bradley Bill to come to Boston 
without having to give up some decent some decent amount of you know assets, and by that I mean cash, players, know. picks, you know, and yeah, and I'm, and by that I'm talking about decent players, you know, like I like I said, yeah. you ain't gonna be able to you ain't gonna be able to give up in this situation, you know, a bunch of rocks and get back some gold in this situation in this league, in this case, you know. You got to put yourself in the Washington Wizards position. You're the one that wants to basically get the best player in the deal in this case. And by taking the player from play, taking someone like Bradley Bill from the Wizards, you're basically sending them to a rebuild. In their in, in this case on their part, since obviously, you know, they have their own issues, you know, with the rest of the players they got. So literally, what makes you think they're going to go the roots of accepting to take guys like Smart or Neesmith, Pritchard, guys like that, and yet they're going to give you Bradley Bill in exchange. Yeah, they maybe think that Washington uh, Wizards officials are taking drugs or they're just stupid. Or draft picks, you know. And then on top of it, you also got to think of the money, ladies and gentlemen. You got to match up the money because you're an over the cap salary cap team. Mm-hmm. You cannot you you cannot you cannot violate those you know that that situation for those, the, you know mm-hmm. those rules. You know, yeah, you may feel well the Lakers do seem to almost seem like they do what they do it each and every time in this case, but the Lakers are not violating that rule just because they're trading left and right in this situation trading constantly. The Lakers, right. in this case, are constantly trading because they're constantly in this situation sending away tons of players in one deal. So they may be, they get one guy, but they're sending away two guys, three guys, and they're adding draft picks. They're adding money in this situation to basically mm-hmm. make it work in this case. Plus, mm-hmm. the, the Lakers have LeBron. They have Davis. Those are the guys who mainly have the big money in this situation. They're not like the Celtics who – stupidly, I guess you can say, went the roots of having not one, not two, not three, but four guys, now I should say five, with big-time money on deals. Because obviously you got Tatum, you got Brown, big contract of Al Horford, plus now you got the big contracts of Marcus Smart and Time Lord basically on your thing as well. So that adds up to where now you don't really have the ability to basically get other guys to basically be dealt here. Now, one thing you do have is you do have the trade exceptions you can maybe use if you want, but you also have the issue of roster spots. You need to have available roster spots to even bring players over here, which is where the Lakers are constantly kicking, you know, giving guys the kick in their rear end and saying, we don't want you no more, if they know there's somebody else available in this case. The Celtics, on the other hand, in this situation, because they, nobody wants to play in Boston for the most part compared to L.A., players are constantly willing to jump on the bandwagon with a LeBron James-led team. They're willing to go to L.A. and take a non-guaranteed deal if the Lakers are willing to offer it. You, on the other hand, have to basically offer a guaranteed deal because the player knows if I sign with you, the moment I sign that contract, I'm guaranteed the money meaning that if you want to get rid of me later later on in this situation, 
fine, but I'm still being paid the money you, that you owe me in this situation, which means it still counts against the salary cap for the Celtics in this case, even if I'm not playing for you the rest of the season because you want the roster swap to give it to somebody else. It's still going to count, and I still get that money in my in my bank account in this situation, which for some players, that's all that really amount, account well, matters, the money in this situation that you're going to give them because they know you're not going to give them much playing time in this case. So the Celtics, you guys, are in a pretty tough position, and fans, you need to learn how the, how the salary cap works. Learn it the way I did. Go online. Read the rules in this situation. There's plenty of yes. websites that allow you to do it in this Bravo. situation, or you can go onto YouTube and look at the videos in this case that, that allow you to learn it in this case. But literally, the Celtics cannot go and trade for someone like Bradley Beal unless you're ready to give up Jalen Brown, because obviously you're not going to get Beal to come over here if you give up Tatum for, Tatum for him. So either you got to give up yeah. Brown to get Beal to come over here, and I'm talking like doing that, it's simply a one-for-one, that means the Wizards might be more willing to do it because obviously they know they're getting a good player for a good player in this case. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have to go the route of giving up basically several decent players in this case, like Marcus Smart, Time Lord, maybe a Grant Williams, plus draft picks in this situation to make it mm-hmm. where the Wizards might feel a little bit more enticed with what they're getting and saying, you know what? Okay, mm-hmm. we may not be getting a superstar back, but these are all good players that maybe we can do something with them further down the line. And so then they might be willing to say, okay, we'll accept the offer you're giving us because it's better than nothing and better than us losing him in the situation in, in free agency if we feel that basically we uh, can't, we basically can't get him to stay. So, ladies and gentlemen, please learn basically the rules and learn how it works before you actually make a fool yourself with your post and all of that. Exactly. Thank you, Thank you, stupid. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Excellent explanation. I just want to underline that uh, if we get uh, Brown, Tatum, and Bill, it will not work from basketball perspective that I explained, but also from financial perspective. We will have really hard case to build the team because we know that our ownership uh, has been cheap and acting like a small market team. So the question will be, uh, is our ownership group willing to pay the tax for this kind of uh, team with Dayton Brown and fill the three maximum contracts? I'm not sure in that, Daniel. And if they don't pay the huge amount of tax, uh, we could not build the strong team around Bill, Tatum, and Brown. So no matter how good these three players are, you need good bench, you need role players to win in today's NBA. You need complementary pieces. And uh, without ownership willing to pay the tax, I'm afraid that um, uh, we, we cannot build the good team around uh, those three players. That's another dimension why I'm not optimistic uh, to building the team. De'Aaron Fox, he is level below Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Bradley Beal. And if you trade uh, Jalen Brown from Bradley Beal, you're trading the players that are similar in talent and currently at pretty much same tier. Are you, I mean, 
if you say that you're upgrading with trading Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal, and I'm not sure in that, you, that upgrade would be really, really marginally. So the conclusion here is unless you are you unless the Celtics can get the top five players in the NBA and you know which top five players are, just look at the all star selection. Look at the first all NBA team. The guys like Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, LeBron James, I mean, even Chris Paul, who is top 15 guy, but franchise changer. I mean, the guys like this, Stephen Curry, obviously, Anthony Davis, when he's healthy and ready, top seven guys in the NBA. I mean, until you are getting that kind of guy or the younger guys like Nikola Jokic and B, if you can get top five guy in the NBA, then you can become instant contender. If you cannot get that kind of guy, you are not instant contenders. And that is the end of story. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Danny, Lou, it was really interesting and fun debate. And let's um, go to watch the Patriots and the Celtics. So go Patriots, go Celtics. And Danny, in some capacity, hope the Celtics Talk Radio crew will do video chat the next uh, week weekend we will see we will inform you but this show is over and um thanks uh, Warren Shaw, Tyree, uh Andrew Vernon, Daniel Camacho, Luis Tenore and thank you all ladies and gentlemen for listening to us for tuning in I hope that you enjoyed as much as we did and see you next week go Patriots go Bulls uh Daniel <laughs> Again, ladies and gentlemen, right. uh, Celtics are just about to start their game within the next few minutes. Patriots are already midway through the first quarter in this situation, down 7 nothing. But the Patriots mm-hmm. do have the ball for the first time, so they're now at midfield, basically, on their drive, so looking to tie the game. So, again, enjoy both games. Let's see if the Boston sports teams can go 3-0, and as, of course, the Bruins already won earlier today. So let's go Patriots and uh, Celtics, and we'll look to talk to you all again next Thursday night. Lou, anything else you would like to say before the end of the game? Uh, so Lou actually hung up. So, again, let's go Pats, let's go Bills, and we'll talk to you all again next Thursday. Have a good night.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.